September 27, 1998. Rush Hour topped the box office, and a new action comedy star was born in Chris Tucker, who would find similar success in movies like Rush Hour 2 and Rush Hour 3. Sampling the musical Annie, Jay-Z's Volume 2, Hard Knock Life was released. It was received much better than Jay-Z's Volume 1, Magical Mr. Mistopheles. Dance Dance Revolution hit the arcades and brought with it the newest dance craze, Up Arrow, Left Arrow, Down Arrow, Down Arrow, Left Arrow. Meanwhile, in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, Stone Cold Steve Austin faced both Brothers of Destruction for the WWF Championship at Breakdown in your house. Sugar-coated testes? This is Hell in a Cell Phone. kind of a, an embarrassment of riches in trying to pick the pop culture thing for for this one here the week before this pay-per-view will and grace premiered um wow I, yeah I was a, ally. I, I, a good ally there aaron i i don't know i i've never seen an episode i had nothing well, to draw from well i'm glad that, that we made sure to acknowledge the cultural impact of chris tucker um, <laughs> instead i'm glad to see where this i but how do i make fun uh like make my pithy little joke about will and grace when when in fact then it was it was a cultural touchstone and of, of some import sounds like you were a coward yeah <laughs> sounds like you didn't want to do the work <laughs> uh, also premiering in the fall of 1998 we had that 70s show pokemon the king of queens Total Request Live and Sports Night, which nobody watched, but everyone really respected that day. <sighs> Three of the five of those five things were things I really enjoyed, I think. I so I, I had heard about Sports Night. Maybe I tried watching it when I was younger, but then I definitely tried watching it. You know when I tried watching it, right? <laughs> Guess when I tried watching it. After the newsroom? Uh or during the newsroom. Just about just before the newsroom. After news radio, <laughs> before newsroom. No, no, no. So uh Sports Night was Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. And it was before West Wing. And I remember people at that people at the time when I started watching uh Sports Night, we were like oh my god, West Wing's amazing, and I hadn't watched West Wing yet, and then people were like, Sports Night is so good, it's so, so good. And I tried watching it, and I was like, oh, so it's it's just like self-aggrandizing... So smug. Smug bullshit, but with sports! <clears throat> it's li- like, literally there was a guy who... Wow, had you a... had me at... <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy, there's a guy on there who like, gives a whole speech about how I think it was like hunting is is uh you know he he can't consider hunting a sport because you're killing a defenseless animal and I'm like what is happening here this literally none of these conversations are happening at ESPN I promise <laughs> you. um you guys definitely watched some TRL right yeah that that was a even I was devoutly at this point anti um I don't want to say pop culture because, like, I was very into pop culture, but very anti, like, uh, anti pop, the pop side yeah, of pop yeah. culture, and especially like what what was happening then, which was like the insane Britney Spears stuff. I was like vehemently like hate. Do you want to go back and shake your younger self and be like, no, because I think what I resisted a lot of it was like the ideas of like conformity and virginity and like virtue that they were like that was being because this was still like pre everyone being like a sex. Freak. Mm-hmm. This is back when everyone was like virginal and cute and teen. I feel like still like this was like the very beginning of Britney and all that stuff. Uh, 
and I just remember hating it so much. And TRL was so emblematic of that, but I was always very plugged in because I was curious as to like what was the cultural conversation. Uh, and every now and then there'd be like a little uh, pop punk band that would sneak its way on, and then I'd be excited. I uh, didn't really listen. I didn't really watch it. I, I mean, like I, you know, obviously I knew it existed. You could not avoid it. But I think being I don't know eighteen at the time yeah. and and like watching was it Carson Daly? Yeah. Yep. Watching Carson Daly with like a bunch of like teenagers who are just cheering yeah. for everything, screaming, just screaming for anything. Nonstop. Yeah. Uh, none of it really appealed to me. I was just like, okay. Um, first of all, nobody's requesting anything I want to request. <laughs> Where's Bob Seger? Yeah. Uh, excuse me. I thought Steely Dan should make it somewhere in this. Um, it's crazy. We th- we're not that far apart in age, despite how much we make fun of you. Uh, but we're not that far apart in age, the three of us. But it's like crazy. I think when you see like these moments, because it's like these years that actually I think where you feel it the most. Mm-hmm. You know, where like I'm going into eighth grade and you're turning eighteen, and like yeah, our relationship to TRL is like wildly different at that point. Well, which is interesting to me. The difference between like I would say a fourteen year old and an eighteen year old, fourteen, a sixteen and an eighteen year old, is like a greater chasm than the difference between. A thirty-four-year-old and a thirty-eight-year-old, or a thirty-six-year-old yeah, totally. and a forty-year-old, like yeah, hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, as brains as how... are developing. In a I want to say the exact same thing in a third way, <laughs> but also, also, I was like, I was very counter pop anything yeah. in a lot of ways. Like you, you wanted to be kind of kept abreast of it, and yeah. I was just like, like I felt very alienated by it because, like. A lot of the things that everybody, you know, was really getting super into, I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. It also probably uh, came about because, like, my brother is 10 years older than me. And so, like, growing up, I had his music collection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, so I was, you know... How sad is he at the death of Neil Peart? Oh, my God. Oh, he... He was all like he all he was doing was retweeting like Neil Peart stuff, uh, the drummer from Rush. I know. Well, for anybody who doesn't, he's pop culture abreast. Uh, but yeah, like I got I was into Rush and like Rush was one of like maybe the second concert I went to. I won't tell you the first because that's a security question. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like like I was I was like listening to the Beatles and the Doors and and. All of these, like, you know, and then, like, a bunch of bands from the 70s, Sticks, and all this other shit. And people were, you know, getting really into rap. And I was not because, you know, I just, it just wasn't, uh, I wasn't being exposed to it. If anything, I, you know, I was going in the opposite direction of, like, Guns N' Roses and Hard Rock and, and all, and, like, and all stuff. Which, so I, I, I you know, I, I knew I could get along with that area, but things like anything that had this whiff of just, not being serious yeah, uh, was like, nah, I, I, I can't. I can't even bring myself to watch it. Um, and speaking of rap, not only did Jay-Z's uh, Hard Knock Life come out that week, but also Outkast Equemini came out that week as Damn. well. Which, I mean, talk about, I mean, one of the best hip-hop albums of all time. I put it in my top three, probably. Does that have Spodioti? Spodioti Delicious. Yeah. yeah, I was literally listening to that on my way here and just... <laughs> That's a really good. Yeah, I love that. The, the trumpets in that are amazing. Oh god, yeah. No, that that whole album front to back. Um, also, uh, anyone ever listened to Mercury Rev? Yep. Their album Deserter Songs came out that same day. Another like one of my favorite albums there too. And the number one song 
Aerosmiths, I don't want to miss a oh, thing. Oh, shit. Fuck. Michael Bay years. very into this Aerosmith. I was very into Aerosmith. <laughs> Do you know who wrote that song? No. Oh. The same uh, songwriter who wrote for Celine Dion. That makes a lot of sense. That right? tracks. A million percent that tracks. It could have been a Celine Dion song. Mm-hmm. I, I was very into Aerosmith coming off of like crying crazy early. Cause my, yeah, I, I get never a grip. Had, I never had older siblings, but I had an older, I had older cousins and an, old, and an aunt and a young aunt. <laughs> so I like got some of their stuff. It yeah. wasn't good though, but that's what I got. I remember buying uh, "Get a Grip" on cassette. Oh, I had the cassette. I had the cassette of that and Nine Lives. I didn't have Just Push Play, but Nine Lives was the last one that I was like really into Aerosmith. I had a so, really good double disc live album that was actually really good, and I wish I still had. I'm sure it's on Spotify. I uh, so I, I got into Aerosmith. So I'm glad the Aerosmith continuum <laughs> uh, is is solid. I got into Aerosmith on the earlier side. So the time I I I think I listened to Permanent Vacation. So many times that to this day, I probably, if you started me at like one song, I would know all the words to it from any given song. And like that, the entire album. And, you know, there are other albums that I know are objectively better, but like, I just know that album extremely well. And then, of course, there was the one that had, uh, it was Pump, which had Jane's Got a Gun. Well, yeah, yeah, because there was so much less content back then. Like, I know albums so much better from when I was younger just because now a new album comes out and there's five other things that I'm supposed to be listening to or watching okay. or everything at My the same release time. radar drops every Friday and I'm like, I can't consume yeah. all of this music <laughs> and yeah. that everyone has an album attached to it. Like, there's, but, you know, it's work. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to know all the rests in songs. Like, I would sing <laughs> and I would know the little bits and like, and, you know, to a degree where I could still do it, but now... Now I just hear a song and like it's a somebody shakes my head and all the magnets, <laughs> all, all, all the electrical, the the, the metal filing just <laughs> shake down. And since we're talking Armageddon, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Barry Schwartz, aka Disco Vietnam, uh, who does the theme song to this. Who one of when we were in college together, one of the first like bonding moments, we were walking around on campus talking about this idea for a movie where it would be the sequel to a movie like Armageddon, but like what would happen to this love story once like they no longer have to save the world or anything. Sure. How Bruce Willis or how uh, Liv Tyler is always complaining that Matt Day or sorry no. Let me take that one more time. Like Liv Tyler is always complaining that Ben Affleck doesn't take the garbage out enough. And then she's complaining that, that he was up there on the asteroid saving the world. So maybe she should do it her fucking self. Well, and he's just like drinking scotch and look at the window, like up at the sky and being like, I will return. Yeah. To you I used to be something. Uh, I used to save the world. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I'm into it as a full length movie. <laughs> I think you should write a feature length movie. That's 90 minutes on that concept. <laughs> It was, it, it, wait, isn't that basically what Marriage Story is about? <laughs> Should we actually talk about some wrestling? Nah. Okay, sure. well, <laughs> let me at least start the episode. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm Aaron Benoit, joined as always by Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast with episodes that are so long that if you uh, eat lunch, listen to one of our episodes... You can safely go swimming afterwards. You will not get a cramp at all. Um, and actually, we're ending on college. Around uh, September 1998, where our podcast takes place, you were in your first semester at Cornell, weren't you, Eric? I was, yeah. So uh, I guess last... And pay- anyway... No. <laughs> last pay- no, tell us, tell us. Last pay-per-view, uh, w- uh, around that time in August, I was up for or- orientation, which, man, I don't know if you guys had... I-, I think everybody has the same orientation where, like, 
you're like, these are my best friends forever. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, and you're like, I you're like, I like these guys are amazing. We're all amazing. We're all gonna be friends forever. And then by by like the second semester of freshman year, you like barely talk to like maybe two of them still. Like everybody just starts getting like peeled away by all of the other things in college. Yeah, by their actual friends. <laughs> yeah, like, it's the first time you met anybody that you're not like blood related to or like live in the same tribe. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like everyone's in the same little village together. So it's like so weird to meet somebody else and be like, "Wait, you have TV where you're from too?" Like, of course, you're like, this is crazy. There's people everywhere. <laughs> I I also went to school with. I think there were like six people from my school from my high school who went to Cornell. So like I there were like one of my closest friends at the time uh also got in. So we like so we we hung out, you know, but then also he started doing things. So we 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 all we we always like hung out, but like we also developed our own group. But like there would just be other people around campus that I would just see and be like, "Oh yeah, that's a person I've, you know, been around for 5 years of, you know, 4 or 5 yeah. years of my life because I've been living in the town since middle school." Um which is always a super weird thing because you're like, well, I wasn't friends with you then. Why am I going to be friends yeah. with you now? So. There was, I actually think, I think six also from my high school that went to the same college. And like, some, like one was Alexis, um, obviously a very close friend. Yeah. My friend Elisa I was very close with. And my college roommate freshman year. Like we were best friends in high school. So let's just be roommates freshman year. Yeah. Um, and it was, re- I'm very glad I did that. But it also, I think, did keep me from like making tons of other friends for well, a while. All we know is all those old friendships were just like a, a, a starter pack for this friendship. Yeah, to prepare for, but, for this moment, for yeah. this podcast. Everything was prelude to this. Bobby, you were starting eighth grade? Yes, eighth grade. Um, seventh grade was real bad. And I think eighth grade is when things finally started to turn around. I feel like eighth grade was when I first, when I started to really try to like uh, embrace like my own You're like, trying to like cultivate an thing. alt identity. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventh grade, I was still like trying to be like, wait, how do I just, how do I be normal? And then I was like, never mind. And then by the end of seventh grade, I was like, forget it, never mind. Uh, I was just like, I'm just gonna like watch Rocky Horror all the time and like wear a bunch of fucking like hot topics. That's when, that's so, when like, the first hot topic opened it, in it, your town. It literally is like, I, you could literally see like seventh grade, like, uh, it's all like, uh, you know, whatever was big then. I feel there was a lot of like, boss kind of like stuff Tommy Hilfiger you like, know what was big around this time was Jankos Jank I started getting into Jankos like Pacific Sunwear kind of but like still like what's like socially acceptable stuff yeah like still like in the mainstream stuff and then afterwards I was like I have fuck this I can't I'm, not, I'm never gonna get this right forget it and so I just was like then I was in like the full blown like freak freak wear I was wearing I wear rocket jeans the big, the, the big, I mean, they were cheap Jenkos, right? So they were just big and sweeping and, uh, you know, hung down. It was. I started in middle school with Dustin Reynolds and I finished as the artist formerly known as Goldust. <laughs> I, um, I, I, in a, in a, in a yeah. Uh, diaper. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I um, never wore the big jeans. Oh, they were so comfortable. I, I wish I could wear them. I wish they were in style now. Starting high school, I didn't own a pair of jeans oh, until like I looked around. I was like, oh, shit, I better get some of these like, like fast. Wait, what were you wearing? Sweatpants? sweatpants? I was wearing sweatpants, but but like to school, I went to a Catholic school, oh, so I had a uniform. Okay, so that makes sense. Khakis, a, a, a blue button down, a, the short sleeve blue button down, yeah. and a tie every day. You look um, like a Mormon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. And so I was going into my junior year of high school. And the year before, the drama club had lobbied really hard to the director. We want to do Grease. And so this was right around the time of Grease auditions. So the auditions happen. 
I thought I was getting Danny. I should have gotten Danny. I didn't get Danny. I got Roger. But okay, whatever. Who Which the fuck Roger? is Roger? Roger isn't in the movie, but if you have, if yeah, you yeah, see, yeah. have you seen, you've seen the stage Okay. Yeah. So, um, so Mooning, the yeah, song, yeah. the song Mooning. Uh, no, not Duty. Yeah, uh, no, not Duty. Um, but one of the other ones yeah, 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 becomes yeah. Roger. Um, I, I get my pants take, ripped off on stage. <laughs> I, you couldn't pay me enough money to get my pants ripped off on stage. <laughs> Wait, now I'm thinking back to to last. Uh, no, I'm, I'm thinking back to the our last uh, um, deep dive where Val Venus had the breakaway pants. Were you like on stage, like trying really hard to get the Patty pants Horton off? was responsible for the breakaway jeans, so you know oh, those jeans ripped off flawlessly, beautifully every time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I had my regular boxers and then like smiley face boxers on underneath them. Um, with suspenders on there. So just in case as they were pulling down, I would not get fully exposed. Wow. Um, but again... You did more to work to cover yourself anything than Jacqueline and Sable usually do. <laughs> their matches. Oh, I don't know. We'll talk about it later. But that top that Sable's wearing, those straps are doing extra oh, yeah, duty. We, oh, we will talk about it. Um, but again, I, I was at an aforementioned Catholic school. So after auditions are done, we all have our parts and everything the first rehearsal is us just crossing out and writing in new lines for all of like the sexual um, uh, innuendos from that play. Oh man, Rizzo had a problem, and she was sad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like a math problem. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is, there's a lot to break down. Yeah. There. Wow. Um... Well, we've been going for 30 minutes now, so we probably should <laughs> at some point get to this pay-per-view, even though I don't totally want to, because this pay-per-view to me feels a hell of a lot more like an episode of Raw, where a Absolutely. pay-per-view breaks out halfway through. It really yeah. does. Uh, also, I think it, if we want to start with talking about the opening package. Well, I want to start first just a, a little bit of, of catch-up. Most of the things that happen on Raw, we get to when we'll talk about the individual matches, Headbangers took a heel turn on the way. Steven Regal is chopping down wood and shaving in a forest. Hawk is still drunk. And on the breakdown pre-show, the Hardy Boys wrestled Kai and Ty. So they're on their way in. So that's that's the one like good saving grace from this year. September 5th's Raw was one of the worst episodes of Raw that I've watched as we've done our, our rewatch into this year. And one of the reasons for that was that the U.S. Open tennis tournament was going on at the same time. So Raw's time slot was taken, so they would push it to Saturday nights. Um, and they obviously weren't going to advance the stories then. So Sunday Night Heat at this time did a lot of the heavy lifting. But September 14th's Raw was one of the best episodes of Raw that I've seen up until this point. And we'll get into why when we get into the matches. But let's start with that intro. Okay. Um, wow. I, I think <laughs> one of the things that frustrates you with this overall pay-per-view, and that we'll talk about a lot with the main event, is that like it's based on some of the most convoluted like thing. Like I remember watching this as a kid and being incredibly like, "What? Huh? Then what happens? What? Huh?" Like there's like almost too many twists and turns to keep up with with the eyes of Undertaker and Kane's relationship and all that stuff. But this opening package did nothing to help clarify anything. No, not at all. No, it's uh, you would say it's a good theme for for what like, we're to what, what's to come. What the fuck? I like what we've got marching. We've got master plan. We've got Einstein. We've got football. We've got ask not what your country can do for you. No, we've got okay. We've got Martin Luther King. We've got Patton. We've got bombers. We have basically any old stock footage that they could find. It was, what was the unifying theme? Break, Men say things? Breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the 
fuck? Like, what does MLK have to do with the WWE? Don't like, get me wrong. Did, who had a dream here? I was high. Vince when I had a dream. This. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt so much more high watching this. It's really fitting because tomorrow, when we're recording recording time, tomorrow is MLK Day, and I feel like this is a true tribute to him. Well, I, I think that this is maybe the best glimpse that we've ever had into Vince McMahon's brain. <laughs> Because he, he thinks moment. of himself as Martin Luther King, JFK, oh, yeah. and Einstein all rolled yeah, into yeah, one. Yeah. And also Mussolini. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, also, like, you guys, master plan is not yeah. a great phrase to repeat so much. Yeah, like, Vince is like, I've got a solution, a final one. <laughs> I know. It's like, yikes, yikes, a lot of yikes. Yeah, no, Vince again is totally a, well, he has some good ideas, too, kind of guy. <laughs> I mean, and the best part about my the best part about this package is the way it ends, and then it goes to the breakdown. I guess you want to call it the graphic, but holy shit, it is some virtual fighter screen no, saver no, no, shit. No, 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 because Cruising USA came out like five years earlier, <laughs> yeah. and that looks a thousand times better than this piece of shit car holy. driving towards and like it, a mountaintop MS Paint bullshit forever. Yeah, it's like, it, this should have been a two second thing if you don't have the budget for it. But they must have been so proud of it. It was like a forty five second. You cartoon. also don't actually see the. Break- Breakdown. The camera goes beyond the breakdown. You're just like, well, the card's not going. So. What? They ran out of money for the crash portion. Well, they had to pay Bart Cotton that <laughs> the, 75 grand. They already paid Dr. Death, so they're paying it twice. I mean, like, what the fuck? It looked like, um, oh, God. What's the that? Stridex box that was spinning was more of a breakdown than that convertible flipping down the Sandy Street or it, whatever. The background looked like... In um in Mario Kart in in Nintendo sixty four's Mario Kart, uh, what's the one where you're driving in the desert? Calamari De- Kalahari Cal- Desert. Calamari Desert. Calamari Desert, where like the train goes by yeah. and you have to not hit. That's what it looked like. That that part. I don't think it even looked that good. There, you couldn't see the texture. Yeah, right. Nintendo it like they tried to do like a three D version of an old Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner cartoon. Like you know, what I mean, like very flat backgrounds and like in like a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror fourth dimension way. I, yeah, I think they um yes. I think they rotoscoped the Wraith with computer <laughs> graphics. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you lose the race, you lose your car. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. And it was a good sign of things to come. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. We ready to get into the first match? Yeah, sure. Okay, this is Edge versus Gangrel. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That would have made sense for everything that they've been building. We have Edge versus Owen Hart, which I'm pretty sure was just, well, you two are both from Canada. Who's the face and who's the heel here? I know that technically Edge is the face, but everyone's getting cheered because even though Owen's coming in trying to get the cheap heel heat with a sport thing, I don't understand <laughs> at all. It's like a Canadian sport thing, and they're calling it's it football. A- arena football. No, I but I don't. I don't think football, it even. I don't. I don't soccer. That's I don't not even know. heat again. I don't, I don't think. Heat. I don't think he was getting heat off he of was, that. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Because they're in Hamilton, um, Hamilton, Ontario. Which I looked at a map, and so I feel like Hamilton is the equivalent of when they say they're at in Chicago and they're at Roseland, Illinois. I, it was a Toronto football jersey that he was it wearing. Was, it was the local um, rival. It was supposed to be. A oh, game. so Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. So wait, Hamilton has its own Canadian football league. There was like one like, oh, team. There's like f- Tiger Cats or something. I swear, I did look. Yeah, this up. I, I mean, like, they, they mentioned it. It's like you know, it's Canadian arena football, which like I've never, I've, I've only seen it when I've been in Canada, and I'm like. So their wearing... uniforms look like ours, but none of it makes any sense. Wearing Oilers jersey, right? like the, uh, like keep it simple. Yeah. He's wearing a Toronto Argonauts jersey. Yes, and that is the rival to Hamilton has their own football team, Ugh. the Tiger Cats. 
the oh you know big Argo Tiger Cats rivalry. It goes back. It's like the Red Sox and the Yankees. It goes yeah. back for like the whole of the it's actually, it's like, it's, Yeah, it's unbelievable. But yes, that was like you know what I read that. I still don't understand what that means. I don't know what arena football is, uh, and I don't. And also, please don't tell me it's football in an arena. What is it? Was it was it arena football or was it Canadian football? Because Canadian football, I think, is like the the size of the field is different. Yeah, oh, I wish I didn't know this. I think it was CFL. Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, I don't even. There might have been some people who've crossed over between NFL and CFL. Just know. wait until we make Bobby watch every XFL game in preparation for our XFL episode. Oh, I don't know. Okay, we have to have a conversation. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna buy uh, Bobby a he hate me uh, jersey. <laughs> I would wear the shit out of that right now. It's so. pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, Edge has a dumb necklace yeah. that I have so little on this match because there's no heat between these two guys. There was that good power slam to the outside move, which is pretty fucking dope. There was I there had was one. Good, I don't remember. That was a good bomb, man. I don't remember which power slam it was, but there was a power slam counter off yeah, the edge yeah. of the ring. Yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I thought it was a little telegraphed. Like, okay, so Edge is on he, Edge is on the uh, on the edge of the ring, ooh. Oh. and Owen's on the oh, ground. I hear it now. And it looks <laughs> like and it looks like Edge looks like he's running to take a power bomb as opposed to like. It just didn't look like it. Like like Owen was thinking on his feet. It just looked like, hey, now's the time for me to do a power bomb. For you to do a power bomb on me, so do it. I don't know. I don't know. I liked it, man. I thought it looked like a sick bump. Okay. Um, this match reeked of competence to me and little else. They're both good guys. Uh, Edge said in his book that um, Owen said this was the last match he was looking forward to, to wrestling. Oh. Owen said it was the last match he was looking forward to. Yeah, because he kind of like goes into some shitty gimmick stuff after. Like so. So he knew what was coming ahead. He's like, "This is the well, just like, a- like after the fact, like after oh, the fact okay. of this match, but, but while he was still able to uh, lodge Talk. an opinion, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go on the record. You don't think Edge is on a Ouija board? Like, <laughs> which was your, which was the last match you liked? Yeah, was, yes, it was me. It was me, you guys. <laughs> but <laughs> the big important thing for this match is from the finish, right? You want to go over it? Um, I don't want to go over it. Eric, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, there was a sign that said, Owen's not a nugget, you are. Which is the most <laughs> 90s Canadian sign I could ever possibly imagine. Like, good one. I think I saw one of the beginnings of this that said, Undertaker's not a homo. Which I think is good information to have. But it's <laughs> not something I ever wondered. Who is and who is not a homo? Signs, please. <laughs> yeah. But like, Owen's not a nugget, you are. It's just like, like my, my mom's not fat, you are. All right. Cool. Uh, and I don't need you to go over the full finish, but what happens at the end? The end, we have the appearance of uh, a mystery Christian? man. Is it Christian? Uh, that we will learn his identity soon. Okay, maybe uh, it's Christian. But he is a very important player and a very important part of Edge's story, and he makes his first appearance here giving Edge the uh, giving Owen a distraction to grab a roll-up. Yeah, by looking at him. Like, again, this seems like such a raw thing to do, is to have this mystery competitor show up, look at him, give the... the if I would say this is a pay-per-view, why not have him do a little interference or something? Or, or do something other than be on the screen for more than a split second. Yeah. Here's my big problem with Edge, his whole character, as we've seen him presented up until this point. What is his deal? Like, what is his deal? Because he doesn't seem scary. He seems like he might need an adult. Like, he might need a supervisor. You know what I mean? Because he's just, like, standing around looking... 
not saying anything. Then this guy comes, they look at each other, and it's like, do you have looking powers? I have. What? Again, I, get, I think I have a little more insight just from watching the, his, watching the build up to him and all the packages that they put together. I think Sexy Derelict is what they're yeah, going for sort of, with he, him. He was like a, a, like a night stalker, sort of like, but doesn't murder. That's what I mean, but like... He's, he's like he's like beast from Beauty and the Beast, the one that's that takes place in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ron he's Perlman. not an actual beast, and he just lives in the sewer. <laughs> but also, it's like you know, he's like Ninja Turtles without the cowabunga. <laughs> no ooze, Ninja Turtles. No shell, no skills. He's, but he does have a rat sense. <laughs> he is pizza. He is if Bebop was not turned into a, a warthog. Honestly, yes. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like all the cool parts of superheroes that live in the city that are like mysterious and they watch and they don't speak and they observe. But then they also do cool stuff. He's just the observer, which just kind of makes him a little bit of a creep. Like he's just someone I would like walk a little faster by on the street, you know? <laughs> and I don't want to go into this right now because we'll get into it with Gangrel. But on the uh, Raw or something leading up to this, he attacks Gangrel, and Gangrel tells him that the blood of Gangrel runs through your veins. So they're definitely building to something. Well, I I just don't know if they had that idea for Edge from the very beginning. No, that's what I mean. So like, where Edge is about to go makes him so much more interesting. Then he starts to become a star. Yeah. But Right now, I think this early Edge proto idea to me is so half baked and so bad. He, he's a he's a cipher. He's just yeah. like whatever you want him to it's be is what like, he is. Uh, we're just gonna put a bunch of weird shit and smoke on you, and you're like. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know what was going on in my head, but I did write very good match for this. Maybe because it's, it's, it's a an very, match. You've got two very like like again. Uh, Edge is is a future Hall of Famer. Owen is a legend, and so the two of them together, they're going to put together a very very competent match. Yeah. But again, without any, and I think since you don't watch the Raws leading up anyway. You kind of like again. I think a lot of these matches are ciphers for you to kind of project like some kind of story onto. But there was just no heat and yeah. no story and no build. But for this one and for the next four matches, basically. Cool. All right. Sometimes I feel like they 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 treat the Canadian pay per views a little bit like the well, they Seth do an, brother. They do a little bit, and also Canadian fans. I think you mean a boot. <laughs> Canadian fans famously are like one of those kinds of fans where they cheer the wrong things. Right. So a lot of times they kind of go in with less story because they're not getting they can't reliably build on what they've been doing on television because they're not getting the same audience reaction right. they're getting on television. B- Bizarro Canada. Yeah. Me. There is there is <laughs> Me some weakest. truth to that. Sometimes commentary puts that over when they're just doing sh- a shitty job storytelling. Uh, but I think there is some truth to it. Mm. Then we go to the superstar line. Bobby, take it away. Wow. Doc and Sable are there. And I believe that Sable is wearing the top four inches of two shower curtains <laughs> together on her front. Uh, and, and, unfortunately, and, and those it, claps are straining. Well, you can tell that's coming off the blood supply to her brain because when she opens her mouth to speak, it definitely sounds like she's having an actual stroke. <laughs> Wait, I thought she sounded actually kind of competent oh, this time. Oh, you mean when she's like, uh, oh my God. In any event, you better go to the ring. What? Like yeah. At the end of it, I was like, is she okay? She's like, can't breathe. I have about 30 seconds of oxygen left in me. Please get me out of this top. Cut away now. She looked like when SNL has like a guest spot in the cold open and you just watch them like dead-eyed reading off the cue card <laughs> off the camera. Like she's like, you know, like her eyes are just come fully off the camera. Like, yes, I am Steven Mnuchin. <laughs> it was... 
it's, I mean, it was insane. Her ponytail was so big and so fake. Also made me laugh so hard. I was like, this is like something that Shannon Bedore would wear on the Real Houses of Orange County on a trip to like Punakana or something. Um, I loved every second of this. It was so cheesy. And the music in the background was so cheesy. And again, Sable opened her mouth to speak and made no sense. They could have paid her to do anything. She's one of the biggest stars in the company. You couldn't have like walked her down to the ring at some point. She couldn't have been the fucking sign girl between the rounds of a brawl for all final. You know what I mean? Like, give her something to do. Yeah, and especially because wait, was brawl for all final during this? No, but no. I was just it's oh, in my head. Just in general, but like, give her like, why is she in the back just like doing literally nothing? Have her, I don't know, maybe attack Jacqueline, yeah. who won the women's championship right. in the lead up to this. Yeah. I was very Yeah, we'll get there. That. We'll get there with the Marrow match. Um, next up, we've got Too Much versus Al Snow and Scorpio. I was very happy with this match for, okay. s- for specific reasons. All right, go into them. I love Al Snow. Love I yeah. love He's him so much. He's great. Um, he has this awesome energy. I mean, the he's like... Um, He's he's got our truth energy yep. flowing yeah. through yes. him. Yes. yes, where like or sometimes when our truth was doing stuff with Goldust, sometimes it was a little it it would get a little tiring. But but then there would be times where our truth just had a very funny would have very funny moments. Yeah, and I'll I'll also say for that that was very early in when we were getting back into wrestling. And so I don't think I'd figured out our truth game just yet. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, he's just a dumb guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he would do those things. But then yeah, once you start realizing you're like, Oh, this is fun. But with Al Snow, you're like immediately the fact that just, he realizes like, wait a minute, when I lift up the head, everyone cheers for me. <laughs> I need to do that over and over. Like, is, is is Scorpio mad at me? Lift up the head! Like, that's great! That is so, so good. Well, Al Snow, like R-Truth, has a comedic sensibility that can't be taught. Yeah. Just, like, has, like, mm-hmm. a great timing. It has a point of view. Like, yeah. is, it has an effortless, like, natural talent that he's able to, like, nurture and use. And yeah. there's a handful of those wrestlers in all of wrestling history. Yeah. Right now, we're really lucky. We've got R-Truth, and then we've got Orange Cassidy, over on AEW, who nobody in all of wrestling is more over than him, I'd say. I think Rusev is really funny. Rusev is funny. Rusev is Rusev funny. Is extremely He's funny. actually like very funny. Also, Rusev is, Sami Zayn. Rusev is, Rusev is funny. Kevin Owens. The thing is, Kevin is I think Rusev is funnier... If he's able to do to, to like do his own thing, yeah, like I think he media, gets. I think he gets saddled with the script too much, oh, yeah. and I think that it gets in the way of him naturally being funny. Agreed, agreed. But yeah, the, I mean, like Kevin Owens is so funny. Yeah, oh he, yeah. Did, there was that. There was that. Uh, that house show, right? Where he like. How much money did you make? <laughs> oh, he's like Roman Reigns is like laughing in a headlock. <laughs> That's so good. That, there's just. I mean, we talk about this a lot in our, in our group text, where it's like there's just some wrestlers that just like have. An intelligence and a smarts about them they just get it and they have like a natural ability that just like a charisma that can't be taught and we're going to talk about someone later in this pay-per-view who does not have it and it's so obvious and unfortunate and we're going to talk a lot about it later yep awesome. i know just who you're talking about um there was also a really good uh flying kick spot that al snow did there I, was um there was one good flying kick and there was one bad flying kick yeah spot. there was sort of like a poetry in motion kind of thing I don't. Um, I don't know. I wrote down the note. I don't even remember what it looks like. Um, Al Snow throws the chair to Scorpio, and like even the way he threw the chair looked cool. 
Uh, Scorpio sets up the chair, and then Al Snow delivers, runs, out, runs up, get, does the flying kick, and then Scorpio also does the flying kick, but and, doesn't quite connect the same way. Eats shit. But yeah. then the um, when uh, I think it was Scott Taylor fell on Brian Christopher on his dick, like I laughed. That was funny. Yeah, yeah. But again, this seems like a great match for a Raw. And on the previous Raw, Al Snow had a match with Sergeant Slaughter that I feel would fit a lot better in this slot here. Because Al Snow's been feuding with the Stooges in the lead up to this. Um, like, Because they're like, no, you're not a part of this. Get out of here. So the match with Slaughter was basically to stay with WWE. And I feel like that heightens up to a pay-per-view, and maybe that would work yeah, nice. Yeah, those seem like well, good stakes. If you think about it, right now, they're engaged in this like blood feud with WCW. It's week-after-week week murder. So, of course, I think there is a conscious decision to shift more of the like can't-miss, um, don't-touch-that-dial storytelling to the weekly TV shows and treat the pay-per-views as if like people are going to buy it regardless. Like, fans are going to yeah. buy this. You're buying this for 50 bucks, or you're not. Like, mm-hmm. And we're going to give you a main event that you're definitely going to want to see. And the rest of the car, who fucking cares? Right, which is why you give somebody like, which is why you give Jacqueline the women's belt on a Raw. Yeah, you, you do all this, you save the big stuff for Raw, and uh, even though they would, even though like from today's modern thinking, we're like, oh, you see the the blow off and the big stuff for the pay per views. They're just like, it's a totally different approach. It's wild West. Yeah, I have nothing else really to say about this one. Uh, the finish was real messy. I did. I hated the finish. I actually was having fun with this match, but the finish with like the who's the legal man and everybody killing yeah. everybody. What a fuck! It just it just ended with a big wet fart, in my opinion. Yeah, because nobody in the end there was legal, right? I, I I couldn't tell you, and I also did not care enough to go, and I didn't care enough to go back. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever, I guess this I match know. is just fucking over. Like it also didn't matter. Like it also like wouldn't have affected the finish. Like there was nothing in the false finish that was part of the story where it's like, oh, now the win doesn't count. Or it wasn't like the other team was trying to pin illegally. So it's like this team was winning. It just seems stupid. Well, it just at, this, at this mess. point, I don't know if I don't know if Al Snow goes further. I would love to see Al Snow like go on a championship run. I don't know if that will ever happen. But I think at this point, watching this match, like to me, it was about about watching Al Snow and watching how funny and how fun yeah. he can be and like. The match itself didn't really matter. Al Snow gets his, finds his niche. They have a niche for him, and he fucking kills it. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. And I think one of the things you're gonna you're gonna see going forward, Eric, is a lot of the mid card guys that we're gonna fall in love with are fine in the mid card and are doing great work in the mid card and don't necessarily like would actually be lessened if they were moved into the title picture. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, like, it's just I'm finding watching these specifically is like fucking with my head so much to like what we're, what's happening like in present day wrestling. Because it's like such a different approach, and the mid cards like they don't know what to do with mid carders now at all. And like, like you're just like you said, you're so right that I feel like the they, they the mid card guys at this time were killing it, and we're huge stars. Everything in its right place, basically. Yeah, they just they really understood like a three sixty degree view on like how to make sure they're like churning out as many stars as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, it's it's just interesting because like I'm used to what I what we've been watching in modern day, where like somebody, for example, like Kofi. Who yeah. was, you know, kind of was a mid Carter for like every anytime anybody got him in the Rumble, you knew you were not, or, uh, yeah, Royal Rumble. Anytime we got him in the Rumble, you're like, well, he's not going to win this. Although this year, I don't know. Well, no, I know, but you know what I mean. I guess we will know by the time that this uh, comes out. Al, but Al Snow today would be Eric Young, like 
Al Snow, if he was oh, trying to yeah, do his gimmick yeah. today, he would he would be Eric Young. Eric he, Young from Sanity, who's who's, who's a nothing. At he's this just like point. a twenty four seven title job or chasing around, Got like it. one of the random bodies running through the arena. Like if Al Snow was trying to do the same, that's what he would be doing. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I guess just like what I what I was seeing was kind of like, oh man, like I see mankind energy and and, and McFoley energy, whatever, like where I could see him. You know, just kind of like stumbling into some kind of championship run or some kind of higher stakes run where it's like he doesn't know where the fuck he is, but he's so happy because everyone's happy for him. And that's kind of that's what I envision as like a perfect uh, culmination Crescendo. of this. Well, yeah. What's also great is we have the WWF title right now. We have the Intercontinental title, the European title. There'll be more titles introduced. And I feel like that is... Something I kind of wish we had more of. Now, I know we have a lot of titles because the separate brands, but we also have just so much fucking talent and time to kill. So, like, yeah. I don't know, man. Give me a TV title. Like, WCW used to have a TV title that was only defended on television. So, like... Do we have time to kill? Because, I don't know, there's so much fucking... Yes, I... <laughs> oh, well, no. We don't have time to kill because no, we're watching so much wrestling no, on no, top of present-day like, wrestling. wrestling that, the, I'm not saying extra wrestling, but I'm saying put another title in the mix that'll give other things stakes. Yeah. yeah. So we're not just yeah. seeing the same dumb... So, like, when Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy are having an amazing, unbelievable series, which honestly i think is actually great on its own yeah but it'd be but like if that was for a title if that was for the european title thrown in there that'd be even more fun but if they're again if they're doing what they're doing with alistair black and buddy murphy i know it's a bad example because that one really is working but like there's lots of other programs that could Mm -hmm. really use uh like a a bit of gold. shorty g needs some like tiny title (laughs) title. when's the tiny title he's gonna go back to the gimmick factory all right uh, then we went backstage, Undertaker and Kane, and Undertaker apparently went to Claire's at some point and got his eyebrow pierced. What the fuck, The dude? demons of destruction, as they were introduced by Michael Cole? Don't those piercings always reject? I don't know. My ex-boyfriend from high school still has his, so I don't know if he's re-piercing it or, or what. Uh, I don't think they always reject, but I think they, or maybe they will eventually. I don't know, but he's had his since we were 15, so. We're not sure. Let us know if you're a medical professional. Uh, I will say that I thought it was very funny that Undertaker was like the question was something like what's what do you guys have what do you guys plan to do going into this and the Undertaker's like that's none of your business and it's no none of the business of anybody else and I'm like well it's got to be somebody's business <laughs> this is a business so whose business also, is it this is an interview yeah. <laughs> yeah, like why did you even show well, that, up for what this what do you think we're gonna ask you about. <laughs> I was only here to talk about my line of poodle dye. I only was here to talk about my new eyebrow ring. I sent the press release. Notice anything different, Michael Cole? <laughs> so then another ugh, match. Mark Marrow versus Draws. I gotta say, the one my they take away from this match is Jackie Moore is so underrated. She has more star power and charisma than these other two yeah, jabronis combined. Like, she had more on, like, she jumps more off that screen and grabs my attention. I mean, than anything that happened in this match that, uh, that didn't include her. She just has, like, she, she's just out there, beaming ear to ear. She looks fucking amazing. She is solid as a fucking rock. She can kick the shit out of half of these guys herself. Like, yeah. she's like a bodybuilder, but she's also gorgeous. And she's also, like, uh, really into her character, like, really into herself and having the time. And you could tell, like, having a fucking ball out there. And just, like, someone who gets it in the business in a way that, like, you don't get from, like, Sable. That's what I, I, I like. Jackie Moore is one of the undersung, like, heroes of women's wrestling. So can we talk about how she got the belt? What happened there? Yeah, there was, uh, there was a women's title match on Raw the week following 
another evening gown match. So uh, they were so basically like, there is a women's title. It exists. And we will. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last time, the I mean, last time we saw the women's title was when um, Medusa, Alondra Blaze, um, threw, threw it in the trash can on WCW. Right. And so it's been three years now since there's been a women's title in WWF. So, yeah, so on that September 14th uh, Raw that I praised so highly, not for this part, mind you. Uh, first, they showed footage of a tuxedo match between Harvey Whippleman and uh, Howard Finkel oh that God. nobody asked to see. Oh but do not want. Um, and then they had the evening gown match where Jackie's boobs completely pop out on there. Um, so going from that, then I think they're like, okay, I guess we'll throw you a bone and actually have the women's championship, which happens the following week. week. Um, and it's another thing like the first women's uh, Money in the Bank, which is was going to kind of forever be tainted a little bit because of, um, what was his name? The guy at No Chin? Uh, 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 ooh, uh, I see his little stupid turtle Yeah, face. yeah, 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 yeah. James Do you remember? Something? James Ellsworth. James, James Ellsworth. Because James Ellsworth helped Carmella win there. Marrow um, gives the distraction, which allows for Jackie to win that there. Um, and to not then have a women's title match on this pay-per-view, I think is stupid, first off, and considering that this match could have easily been bumped for that and gotten a hell of a lot more heat for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can guess maybe the thinking I would think might be trying to put Jackie over as as a for, as like a force that she's like so that a she's conniving villain she's the brains behind Marrow and also like she could take out draws she she's the brains and the brawn behind Marrow mm-hmm. honestly Marrow? truly truly there's also a mysterious glamorous woman at ringside for Sable's matches and we'll have more from I'm her later I don't remember who that is I do, but I have a feeling I know uh, yeah I think at this point the women's champions is being introduced strictly for Sable because Sable is this huge star and like we gotta have a title. To she has to have a title sure, to fight sure. for. And so rather than giving to her right away, we want Sable to we be ta- see chasing her. this and, and they're building a division now. And yeah. so they have to have, and they're building Jackie up as a heel, as like the big monster heel of the division. Uh, Jackie is a wrestler, but I don't think at this point they care about wrestling. They're not, they don't care about women's wrestling. Right. Like this is still, this title is just a storytelling device. So it's not like suddenly they're going to be devoting lots of like 20 minute Iron Woman matches, you know? Uh, yeah. My number one takeaway from this match Draws got new tattoos, and um, I hate talking shit about anyone's tattoos. Just because, like, I have tattoos myself that I'm sure maybe people who've been at this table are like, "Whatever, Aaron, why'd you do that?" <laughs> um, but he got two stupid lightning bolts on his back. But the idea is so I know at this point they're taping Raws sometimes and things, but it still only leaves like probably like two weeks maybe since the last time he was wrestling on fresh tattoos. People, take care of your tattoos. You spend yeah. a lot of money on them. That's all I got to say. Oh, it, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, let the canvas rest. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sure they're I mean, like, that's, I feel like every time I see wrestlers with new tattoos, I'm always like, ow, go home. Wrap yeah. that up. <laughs> do, you, do you know what my takeaway from this is? What? When I saw um, the graphic. By the way, first uh, pay-per-view with a Titantron. Oh, it's got kind of like a, a, a screen in the back. It's not like the full Titantron. Okay, but, but yeah, you know. yeah. So when they showed uh, Draz's like you know like logo or whatever you want to call it his brand, the way that they wrote out Draz, I was like, wait a minute, Draz in another like in an alternate universe is Doctor Oz. 
Like, could you imagine if if WWE was just like, yeah, we're gonna have our own Doctor Oz show, and it's with draws, like like having a talk. What show. does your poop look like? <laughs> I specialize in puke. Yeah. <laughs> that is his history. He has like a bunch of like charts where it's like, if it's green, it yeah. means it's bile. <laughs> Uh, also, let's see. So I thought Mero actually had a good, like, finishing move, the yeah, Marvelocity. That's a, well, I mean, it's the wild, it's thing, wild thing again, yeah. It's but just, just repackaged it. But he he did a lot. He, he made it into a tighter backflip. Eh, it's the same move. He is it like, really he, the same as the wild thing? It's the same thing. He might have done it a little better than you might have seen. So is, it, is that Moonsault? Or? I thought, no, it's a, it's a shooting star press. Shooting star press, right. So you, you're doing a backflip, but you're facing forward and your legs are going up first. So you're jumping forward and backwards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fa- a moonsault, okay. you're just flipping back. Well, he he tightened this one. It up. was very. He was very close to the ropes for this yeah. one. So I think that also, also there wasn't a lot of like outward. It was very like up and down. So maybe that's what you the difference you noticed. But yeah, it looked a little bit like it looked a little bit like um, he would have been a good diver. It's it's his one thing he can do. Yeah, he does it real good. And he just renames it every couple <laughs> months. All right, guys, we have to do it. Vader versus Bradshaw. This. Really? I mean... Oh, I'm, I'm saying this in, in a mournful way because... Oh, yeah. Is, is like, this the last Vader This is match? the last one. Okay, I thought you guys were like, oh, we're talking about this match. And I was like, really? I no, know. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine with this match. Again, the, uh, the build... The, the heat between them is a little stale at this point because I think they, they got into it like maybe two pay-per-views ago and that's kind of what the, has been leading to this. Um... I saw this and immediately. First of all, I saw Bradshaw has a new look. Is this the is this the look that that he that no no wow? But he has a new look. He asked for the Tom DeLonge, uh, or like maybe like the the lead singer of of like No Effects. I don't I think, know. He I got think, uh, Bart Gunn punched that dumb beard off his face. <laughs> <laughs> his face actually retracted the hair follicles because he has hit so hard. Just, it's like a cartoon. He gets punched, and then they just kind of drift off of him. <laughs> Woo! Um, but I, I just, I knew it coming into it. I was just like, Vader is totally going to job for this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I do love that. First of all, I do think Bradshaw looks hot. Uh, I had to just put that out there with uh, the cow boots. Those Nathan boots are terrible. I mean, I'm not saying he looks fashionable, but I'm saying he looks like someone I want to have sex with. And in fact, him looking worse fashionably almost makes me want him more. Uh, <laughs> But I did like that his whole pre-match promo was like, "You fat fatty, you stupid fat so man and ass fatty." I was like, "Okay, so your character is just mean." And even the audience was mic'd on this one. And did you hear the guy yell, "Hit him with your fat ass!" <laughs> but yeah, we got one last Vader bomb out of here. Um, and Bradshaw does legitimately look like a tough guy. It was a after this match. match. Yeah, and it was a false count anywhere match. Yeah, they yeah. beat the shit out of each other. Look, like it looked like it really hurt. Well, with Bradshaw, I bet it did. Yeah, the two of them. They're bet, both yeah, famous they, for working stiff. Yeah. I mean, like, and they definitely did here. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching these two big hosses keep the shit out of each other. Yeah. I, I, there was, for me, it was bittersweet. Just, like, it's not even getting, like, a, uh, a moonsault and, you know. Kick it out of the Vader bungalow. That's a nice way. That's a nice way to put somebody over on mm-hmm. the way out. Yeah, and it, and it did take two of, what is it, the clothesline from hell? And then a neckbreaker, which felt unnecessary, but whatever. But I mean, still, it, it it as he's going out, he he went on on his back, yeah, like you do, and um, and it took a hell of a lot to put him down, yeah. 
Vader, we're going to miss you, buddy. Yeah, that sucks. And it's backstage to Jason Sensation, who's really talented. Um, at some things. Some of them are, be- uh, like, obviously it's like, some are better than others. Which would, what would you say were his bad ones? I didn't think the Jeff Jarrett was that great. Oh, it took me a while to even figure out that's who he's trying to do. I, I thought his road dog was okay. Others, Undertaker was awesome. Undertaker was great. Undertaker, like, I truly do close although your eyes. He, although he did the thing the, the eye doctor does when I go for a checkup where they flip your, <laughs> your yeah, eyelids really, to see if you have allergies or something. It didn't really work how he wanted it to. No. I mean, also, I can I could do the, but he the sounded your, awesome. eye, your eye whites show. Oh, I wasn't sure if I could, so I, I took a, a picture of myself during it. <laughs> oh, ow, it hurts. <laughs> did I do it? I don't know. Am I doing it? No, you're looking down. I can't tell. No, oh, now you look like Bradshaw. <laughs> you look like Bradshaw in the third round. Am I doing it? Sort of, yeah. A little <laughs> bit. You look like you're still looking up for something. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I like it. Yeah. He's so so. Jason's sensation is uh, kind of like the Frank Caliendo. Yes. Of, yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. Sunday night of of Sunday afternoon football, like they wouldn't bring him for Sunday night. It's like, oh, we got some time to fill. <laughs> JB and the boys are <laughs> different. JB, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, nothing else to say about that. No, a lot to say. Not necessarily about this match, but just in general. Yeah, we've got D'Lo Brown and our first pay per view appearance of Gangrel, the vampire wrestler. Wow. So much done. So I want to hear from Eric first on this. Couple things. They don't actually call him a vampire yet. Nope. They say he's living a gothic lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Which sounds like it sounds like his parents haven't accepted him yet. They're like, we don't know what he's doing in the city. He's doing some kind of gothic lifestyle, (laughs) but we're pretty sure it's just a phase. His parents just won't accept that he's a vampire now. Yeah, like like they like he's brought his his um his succubus home for for family dinner, and they're like, uh, yeah. So would your friend like to stay? And he's like, not my friend. Uh, I've talked. We've talked about this, mom. So we made up a separate coffin for your friend. I hope that's okay. Uh, uh, yeah, you guys are gonna. We just please keep the door open. When yeah, you're until, in, until, you're, until you're married before the eyes of our dark lord. <laughs> I need you to. Are you saying you you don't want ghouls? <laughs> All you want is ghoul children. I don't get it. Okay. Um, not, and not only the gothic lifestyle one, but also the viscous liquid. Right, right. They're like, listen, like it is. It's too risky to say he's a vampire. What if it's just like uh, he drinks red corn syrup and, and has sharper teeth than normal? Which he got those teeth like bonded on, right, Bobby? So oh, he's, he's a bridge. So when he first started... <laughs> we're not going there. I mean, like, I would love to give you the full, like... I would love to do the... Because I don't think we're ever going to do, like, a whole episode about Gangrel, right? Yeah, go, go. Okay, so I would like to give, like, the full story of Gangrel, because the more I learned about him, the more I, like, could not stop unpacking. First of all, it is a shock to me when I opened Instagram and saw that he posted in the last 13 hours. So I was like, there is no fucking way this guy is alive. Like, wow. there is no way that he is still among us. And he is, like, alive and kicking. So he was married to Luna Bashan. For like 18 years. Met her when he was 18. She's, uh, I think, seven years older than him. So she met him, he met her backstage at a wrestling thing at Florida Championship Wrestling. She had blood dripping out of her nose. She bursts into the locker room and just goes, fresh meat. And that like Luna Vachon voice. 
And it's just like the most Luna Vachon that's ever Luna Vachon. And he was like, I'm in love. And he was like, what? He was terrified, actually. So then he starts wrestling in the, in the Indies with this tag team uh, called the Blackhearts with this guy whose last name is Nash. I want to say maybe Kevin Nash. No, he's no. a basketball Nash, player. No, because Kevin Nash is that. Yeah, or Steve um, Nash. I forget whatever his name is. The last name is Nash. So he's that. They, and they had Nash putting, Bridges they on USA. Putting, but Luna was always this character with the veins on her head and whatever from like the very beginning of her career. So they decided to put her as their manager. So they're driving on the road one day, and Luna Vachon from the back seat. I think Gangrel's in the front, or he's driving. She punches him in the head and asks like why he doesn't like her. <laughs> it's like such a Luna Vachon story. Okay. So he's like, I don't know, man, you kind of like scare me or whatever. Then one day he's in the ring training and she jumps in the ring and bites him in the back. And that's literally where he credits like the part of like the crazy story is like, and that's how I became a vampire. Like she turned me. Like that is it. Like literally like this crazy woman. And then they like engaged in this like insane love affair that of course was like riddled with drugs and violence and all kinds of horrible darkness. But like combining back and forth as they're like getting their wrestling careers together. They both like he really, you know, he was trying to be a wrestler and she was signed by the WWE. He wasn't signed. He was wrestling in Puerto Rico under the name Lestat at one point, as in from the Anne Rice novels. <laughs> that was on the Wikipedia. Uh, and then he was wrestling in the, the name. They were watching. They literally got the idea of watching Lost Boys. Like, we're literally. They oh, I, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like um, um, the guy from uh, Bill and Ted. Oh, Alex Winter? He, looks like Al- he looked like Alex Winter. Oh, he looks like Alex Winter ate Kiefer Sutherland. Yes, he was definitely little match. A little, was, yeah, he was definitely mix. like uh, in, in True Blood when uh, they ran into the Stephen Root vampire, who was a big fat fatty, who oh, like yes. when he got bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, so then he's wrestling. Uh, she's really behind the gimmick though. Like, he had the idea, but he's like, "Yeah, it's not gonna work. Nobody's doing a vampire gimmick." And she like pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. Really helped make it happen. She got um, so she got married in character. Uh, after a steel cage match on Halloween in 1994. Like, that's when they got married. Uh, and instead of wearing wedding bands, they got matching bite marks tattooed on their necks by the best man who was a tattoo artist and att- attended the wedding in costume as a werewolf. So all this, I'm saying, this all happened in Florida, right? Oh, sh- absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, like, all I'm saying is if nothing else with the stupid gimmick, it is real. He's consistent. You know what I mean? Like, it is true. He is being his truest, authentic self. So Luna got signed before him, and, made, and this was like a cause of stress in their relationship. So uh, when he got, was able to send the tape, he actually took Lee press-on nails and superglued them to his own teeth originally, and then he did have a dentist bond them, bond fangs to him eventually. Uh, and yeah, he like really went. All so was it like he all the time had fangs? Yeah, yeah, they were they were just he just every day he they were unremovable. I think eventually I think he's had them I think since filed off or removed or something. But I mean like. Yeah, they were just his teeth now. Okay, like so a couple things. First of all, uh, and we haven't talked about the gang girl name yet. Which yeah, and I were texting about this morning, which is even there's a whole other piece of this. Okay, before we get into that, if okay, vampires love blood. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is this is something we could say is true about vampires. You would think that when a vampire has a glass of blood, they wouldn't <laughs> take a big mouthful and spew it out. Like correct. Like, I mean, Triple H loves water. Same problem. <laughs> also, but the origins of the blood spit is literally um, Edge and Gangrel watched Blade together and thought it was so cool. Like, the blood rave scene with, with all, like, the blood splattering everywhere. They weren't the only people. We, we, <laughs> uh, Aaron and I went to a, uh, a Blade 
Blood Rave reenactment. The Blade Blood Wasn't Rave. It at Terminal 5? It was at Terminal yeah, 5. Yeah. You were invited. I remember, I remember being invited to this and being like, I don't want to go. And uh, and it was the Chemical Brothers who did the, the Blood Rave scene. And it was a, it I was mean, a that cool, does sound. No, it the was Crystal a cool, Method. The okay. Crystal Method. Crystal Method. That is very cool. Yeah, I mean, we were soaked in blood. Yeah, yeah, that sounds in, in viscous, real blood, in viscous liquid. It sounds very cool, actually. <clears throat> yeah, Barbecue Films, who does a whole bunch of like immersive film things around New, New York. York City. Oh, actually, maybe also in like other places on on. Well, there are are there other places? No, that's true. They did like a weekend at Bernie's down in Florida, I believe, <laughs> with a real corpse. Yeah, that got him in trouble. Okay. Um, uh, I want to finish talking about yeah. the background of this so that we can get into talking about kayfabe. There is a vampire wrestling in the WWF. Who at this played? Point. In, who played football? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we're talking about his football days in Buffalo. Well, that was before he was turned. Before he was turned. Uh, okay, I mean, that makes some sense. But yeah. the name Gangrel. So the name Gangrel comes from a game called uh, Vampire the Masquerade. It's a tabletop role playing. Oh, game. I didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Did so you that's... play it? No, um, I saw the, I, I would see the things for it. And I was like, that seems, I think I like would read the rule books for it. I didn't play, <laughs> I read a lot of rule books for, 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 uh, role-playing games and didn't very actually play Eric, them. Very Eric fact. I read rule books for fun. Didn't play the game. Just read the rules. Well, nobody ever that wanted was to play fun. any. That was fun, the fun for me. Last night, last night we played a board game. And Bobby and Eric were tied at the very end of the game. And then it, there was something to get some more points. Eric went to the rules to assure himself that he had gotten the extra points to make sure that he had won that game. So that he could then log in the in his annals who won, where everyone's place were. So that when he puts together the standings for, what was the game called again? A ticket to ride. Tickets are when he puts together the the official ticket to ride friend group standings. It'll all be accurate and above board. Yeah, it's now one zero 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 zero. Well, we reset them every year, like <laughs> AEW, right? So I got my time. It'll come back around. So yeah, so this role playing game called Vampire the Masquerade. So Gangrel is a race of characters as part of this tabletop RPG a clan. world. They're a clan. Sorry. No, uh, no we don't want to get any um, all our vampire of the masquerade uh, heads out there all upset. The girls out there, I respect yeah. your community. Uh, I'm an is a construct, <laughs> uh, but they're like bestial vamp. I mean, I, honestly, I'll spare you the details, but they're like bestial vamp. I won't actually. They're like bestial vampires that aren't concerned with like day to day vampire politics, uh, <laughs> and that's where the name came from. WWF leased the name for five years that they were using it. I think they just used it, and then they were like, "Hey." This is a thing that we came up with. It's part of part of our IP, and so uh, WWF had to lease the name Gangrel from them. And you saw that there was the, there used to be like a like a title card, like a copyright card that'd be like the name Gang, you know, like you know where it's like Pat Sajak's wardrobe provided by. It would yeah. be like the name Gangrel is a, a, a copyright belonging to White Wolf Gaming, whatever, blah 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 blah. And not only like on on screen and stuff, like like any of the video games or anything that featured Gangrel would have to have this like on um, the load screen. You'd think he could just come up with a name. <laughs> Apparently, they just loved Gangrel so much. Like Gangrel. Um, also, Gangrel's current day 2020 Instagram bio does say fanging and banging 24 7. So, like I said, Oof. consistent as Wait, fun. are those fangs still bonded? Um, I don't know if those fangs are, and I also can't tell if he got them rebonded for a little bit because like, he's got. He also, like, again, still very much alive. I have my kids. I have not made that clear. It's all that young blood. He, um, <laughs> <laughs> he, 
But he also like trains a lot of wrestlers. He like wrestled in the indies still. He um and he trained Rusev. That's cool. Not bonded um anymore. Um he does not look good. He definitely looks like Mickey Rourke, uh for sure. But alive and kicking, which is a shock because he was definitely on a ton of drugs that killed uh Luna Vachon. And he does say that every day that he'll never love anyone like like they really did have one of those relationships where it's like they were just they he's like I will never love anyone like that there'll never be a love like that they were well, like someone's got to punch him in the back of the head I know it's just, it is like a wild thing but it's so fucking real in yeah. a way that like you can't put you know someone in a fancy costume and tell them to play like warrior badass in that way like they just are that it's... courtship huh um how many blouses does he have like does 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 he get these like Dry clean? I, yeah, because can you get that that fake blood out? I think you cannot. I, I think. You well, can. I don't know. We were told the blood that we that we that we were coated in wouldn't stain, but that but wasn't it, as viscous as. And I think as it also his. did stain. No, I'm sure they use blood if that's you made just for that to be washed away. If you ble- put enough bleach in there, I feel like you could probably get it out. I'm Do you think he just goes and gets his like his frilly blouse? <laughs> like extra starch, please. Yeah. His inspiration was actually the puffy shirt episode of Seinfeld. Yes. Well, it's definitely like going to be a big armoire because it's like a big office oh, lifestyle. 100%. You know what I mean? So it's not like an Ikea closet. He's got a four-poster bed. <laughs> Everything candelabras and torches. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is a vampire now wrestling uh-huh. in the WWF. And as Eric said, he was a former football player who was turned sometime later. Yeah, I guess. You know, after he graduated college. Uh, it's It gets... I don't know, man. We're uh, buckle up, babe. I think that's all I can say is buckle up because I liked it when I, I was, love it. When I, no, I love I, it, now. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying when I was a kid, I liked this, and I remember having to defend this specifically against a WCW fan. He's like, "What's f- you're watching? Uh, you're watching Monday Night Raw with all the magical vampires." I'm like, "Well, actually, Gangrel is kind of cool in the brute." Guys, I'm going to admit this, and it's not a bit, uh, and it's embarrassing. This is 1998. I'm 13. I'm a little afraid of Gangrel. <laughs> I'm a little afraid of Gangrel, and I am also like not entirely convinced it's not real. <laughs> wow. I'm going to admit it. I'm not proud of this about myself. Well, he's, he's living a gothic lifestyle. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, it, it did, like, wait, but what is, is he really? Is that really? What is. Like, I. Because it wasn't like nothing else they were presenting, mm-hmm. um, and it also like was a time when like dark gothy stuff like was like uh, in vogue. Can I give you a quick story about goths? Yes. Uh, so in two thousand, the I was, um, or I guess it was, it was like yeah, it might, I guess it was about to be two thousand. So nineteen ninety nine, the summer of ninety nine, I uh, went and. No, no, summer of 2000, sorry, because uh, it was the election. So, right, the, he would have been, uh, Bush would have been inaugurated in 2001. Correct. So in 2000, I was in Germany for summer. I was doing, like, a language course. It was like, you know, I got a, a scholarship to go there, and I was, I was like, learning German in... Um, Transylvania. In Leipzig. <laughs> in Leipzig, but, yeah, in East Germany. That's why you have such a connection to Brockus. At one point when I was there, uh, I remember, like... We, we just kept seeing, like, a bunch of these just, like, bored-looking goth kids just sitting around, like, in the sun, you know, like, sitting around on the sidewalk, and we're like, what's going on? It turned out there was supposed to be some kind of just, like, big goth festival, like, a, a huge gathering, and the the organizer just took the money and left. 
And so the city was just filled with like these these goth orphans just wow. being like, what do we do now? First of all, all these despondent goths, which you could just say goths. Yeah, where is the Patreon that goes for like the podcast uh, investigation into goth scams? <laughs> right, Goth Fire Festival. Can we quit this podcast? Keep the name, but can we just change it to be about scams perpetrated against the goth community? Because I would devote unlimited hours to that research. The funny thing was. This was, this was just when I got when I first got to Germany. So I'm walking around Leipzig going, Wow, what is German. what is up with German culture? Like there's a there's a huge goth contingent here. Are you goth? Have you been scammed? We've got more successful clients. <laughs> Selino and Barnes, goth attorneys. One hundred six 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 six. That was like when I, I showed up in uh, in Montreal, not really, that, realizing it was Montreal Bondage Weekend. Whoa. That weekend, we checked into the hotel, and everyone's like like going through their leather in the meantime. All right, straights. I'm a little. I'm a little. Now I'm a little suspect that you guys. Oh, I just happened to be there for like the Leather King Spank Me Daddy Festival. Yeah, I, I go to. I was there in Vegas. Just the so furries happens. were in, and I was like, "What's uh, but happening?" I'm, I'm literally. I'm literally sitting in the lobby. Um, waiting for for our friends to check in, and, and a German guy's like, "Oh, you here for the weekend?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, we're here for the Arcade Fire concert." It's like, "Oh well, you know what else is going on this weekend? Perhaps you will join in at some point." Was he really German? He was literally wow. German. That was verbatim. Was what he, he also said. really the MC from Cabaret? <laughs> I was gonna say he's the guy from uh, Super Troopers who like who they pull over. Yes, yes, with long hair and, and uglier. Well. They're always uglier. That's the secret about those the the kink people. Yeah, they Gangrel had a match. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what happened. Well, yeah. Time. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't like this match. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it wasn't a bad match, but there just was no. It, it could have been on Sunday Night Heat. Well, and I don't like this match because there's no Gangrel. You're building up to be again a literal vampire, an unstoppable monster in in a way that is is way more literal than than Braun Strowman even. Um, I don't like him taking an L this early. Okay, counterpoint. I hear you. And I agree. And I also mostly agree. But the thing I'm also thinking of is, like, at some point, though, because we have a vampire, wins and losses don't matter to this guy. You know what I mean? So it's almost in a way that post-match attack almost, like, makes so him, wait, like... So wait, so that's a good question, then. What does Gangrel want out of his tenure in WWE? That is amazing. Like, why does a vampire wrestle? Um... To win the Dark Nation over, I don't like. Is is he like setting up pods of vampires like in every city that the WWF I goes guess, to? I always answer myself with like, I just pretty much like put my own like Mortal Kombat style framework on things, where it's like, oh yeah, well all these monsters and beasts and powerful creatures need to come together and prove who's the most supreme. Of course, <laughs> I, like I guess. He, what maybe, else would they do? Maybe he wants to win the glory for the vampire race and be like, guys, <laughs> I know the rest of you. Have like have a bunch of castles, but I've been out there and like among the humans, <laughs> and I've been kicking ass. I don't know. I I, I main evented at WrestleMania. <laughs> you know what? I'm tired of everyone talking about the top one percent of vampires. <laughs> I want to hear about middle class vampires. I do. I do like to think that that when he's hanging out with the vampires, the other vampires are like, you know, that's fake, right? <laughs> he's just like, it's real to me, damn it. <laughs> Like, like oh, oh are you wrestling, Gangrel? Oh, cute. You know, I gave that up after what I was doing in the backyard. <laughs> in 1864. 
Dark Shadows basically is, or in the shadows, or whatever. What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. Uh, Dark Shadows is also a vampire show too. That that, was a vampire soap. Yeah. Is that basically what this show is? (laughs) Yeah. Just them being like, huh, vampire problems. That's what I imagine. It's also a very funny show. You should watch it. I know. It's all, again. I'm, I'm on a list of things. I watched like, the docu- I watched the movie, the mockumentary, whatever. But all the things I, I should be watching show. instead of all this wrestling I'm watching. <laughs> D'Lo takes a win over over Gangrel. Who cares? D'Lo's great, and uh, I think this is also partially helps build him up a little bit with credibility since dropping the Euro belt. But uh, Gangrel, I think, still looks pretty badass with a with a with a vicious post match attack. I'm also willing to say that, like, uh, I'm I'm willing to suspend the disbelief of a vampire being beaten by a mortal with the idea of, okay, maybe he's just like, maybe the thing is that like he presents a danger that's existential beyond pinning. Like where it's just like, shit, man, he might bite me. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of like fighting against like mankind where or you're like, fiend. but you're so like, why did a yeah. wear like a crucifix with him down to the ring or something? Like well, that's that. also, I think why they have to play kind of fast and loose with like, is he a literal vampire? Yeah. Is he a Gothic? Is this viscous liquid? Cause as soon as you start getting into the, like the nitty gritty, like, okay, well, what did the rules of werewolves, uh, do the rules of, of vampires apply? Can he be stuck with garlic or a stake to the heart? Like what? I'm sorry. Like all these things then start to, right. It Wait, seems no. to be like, maybe this guy just like has sharp teeth and wants he to has, like, well, He's kind of, just kind of crazy. He's like a vampire fetish. Like anybody, like if you saw someone on the street who likes vampires this much, he is actually dangerous. He's not a vampire, <laughs> but you can still like be very afraid yeah. of him. When Don't D- be near him when it's dark and your neck is exposed. <laughs> when D-Lo hit him in the balls, first of all, D-Lo blow. <laughs> and second, the other thing I thought to myself was, oh, Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> uh, and then, did he literally like rub Mark Henry's face on the apron at the end? There was something about rubbing a face on the. He apron. rubbed him on, rubbed his face on the rope or on the. Oh, apron. I've seen that. The hardest before. part I of didn't the. Catch that in here, but... Of the uh, the hardest part of the Mark Henry. Mark Henry, meanwhile, is still feuding with China, who on the pre-show for this, China attacked Mark Henry with a lead pipe and laid him out backstage before he was able to uh, fight Stone Cold in a steel cage match. We'll talk about that later. Okay. We ready for the good stuff? Hell yeah! We ready yeah. for the best stuff? Yeah. Because we go backstage, and the lines are have never been clearer between the next three guys as far as who's going to be a star and who is not. Because we get three promos, and I equate these three promos to the Galaxy Brain meme. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Because first we've got Shamrock, who tells you he's he's here to fight. He's he's here for for glory. So, or, or he's here to fight or whatever. No, he was he was here to fight, because then Rock is he's here for the glory, and we get if you two candy ass jabronis don't have too much sugar in your testes, we we are in full Rock mode. Two pieces of monkey crap. I mean, yeah. like he's just saying words that's just like it, everything he says is funny, and like it, 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 I don't know where it's coming from. Like it's just he's just he's got it now. He is this character. He just is this character. Because last month, last month. At the start of the match, we were getting Rocky Sucks chance. And now, he is the second most over person in this company. I think, and I think he got the biggest pop of the night. Yes, he did. The, by, by a comfortable stretch. But then, you've got Mankind, who just perfectly low, unhinged. Low-key brilliance. Oh my god. He went in, he went all over the place. He, I loved it. I loved it so much. Like, it, yeah, you're right. It was... He he took the heightening and just went and and also was able to fucking comment on uh, that's what was on unreal. what The Rock did where he said what was it 
sugar coated testes. It's had a new breakfast cereal. And like, I wonder, like, I don't think, and no, no one would think this would take away from it if it was the case. If they powwowed before and Rock is like, I'm going to say sugar coated testes in my promo and make it like, cool, I'll use something off of that. If he knew it was coming at all, I actually don't even think that would even lessen the impact to me or how impressed I am. No. But I also think there is a very strong possibility. That Mick just saw that in real time and thought of that on the spot. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that I, I don't believe, I wouldn't believe that from a lot of guys. But yeah. from Mick Foley, like, you know, I believe he could come up with that on his feet because he's fucking smart. It, Jojo Miller's guns. Was that, a, was that a, a reference to something that we heard early on? He says something about when I, I, I wanted stole. Jojo, stole Jojo Miller's guns because I wanted them. Was that maybe part of the, the Three Faces of Foley? Or no, the, uh, the JR interview with Mankind. I don't know. He didn't mention it in the in the JR interview, but from what I remember, but I yeah, again something I, could, going I on couldn't there. I couldn't place it particularly, but I knew what he was talking about when the Rock when the Rock speaks and like and like says a bunch of things. You and you're like, okay, wait, I have to follow this. It's really funny, but then when you if you break it all down, it's like. A lot of nonsense. Yeah. But when you when when Mick Foley speaks, it's a lot of stuff and you can't follow it and you're not really sure. But when you break it down, you're like, oh, this is all like everything means something. You know what I mean? It's like a beautiful mind. Like yeah. all of a sudden you're like, wait, the pieces are falling into place. Uh-huh. Everything he's been saying all along. It's like the usual suspects who mm-hmm. dropped the coffee mug. And when he saw uh he saw a homeless person urinating on an electric fence, who I think that was Edge probably, right? <laughs> Didn't need the Lewinsky stuff, but... I hated no. the Lewinsky Other than stuff, that, but what are you going to do? It's, it's He's a product of his time. And then Ken Shamrock, who, again, was... Wait, I can... Uh, sorry, I was checking our research department for something on Mankind. So Jojo Miller is just a made-up thing that Mankind did and he dropped in his promos now and then. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, it's right. really fucking good. Because, it's like, again... But... It's the Heather Sinclair of Degrassi, like a character that doesn't exist and no one knows. Uh, it's just like a, a thing he says. Cool into it and then shamrock who i would say within the past few months behind we said behind austin and behind sable was the second most over person in the company now it's like mm, sorry fuck a shamrock you're not where th- these other guys are he's perfectly fine mm-hmm. um but you're exactly exactly that and man who has and well i mean we get into the match i have so much to say um, so i mean as the as the match was unfolding, I was kind of like, Shamrock kind of seems like the ugly person in the threesome, where you're like, well, technically the ugly person threesome is McFoley. in yes. this case, in the literal threesome uh, that I'm picturing. Uh, yes, of course, <laughs> yeah. In goes that without, triple abdominal stretch <laughs> goes without saying, but I, but like, you know what I mean? Like, he's the guy where you're like, mm, you kind of are riding, you're riding some coattails in here. I mean, obviously he's. He's built a career or whatever. But, you know, my point is, like, when it comes down to it, I really want to see the match between two people. And yeah, I he doesn't really have the charisma. what he was he doing. He doesn't have the star power of the two, for sure. And also, then... did you guys notice that Rock seems to have, like, some acne going on in his uh, promo? There was a little... Oh, yeah, a little His bit. face is a lot clearer in later years. He broke out years. a little. Well, I'm, also, a I'm also sure he's juicing the fuck up right now. I mean, I mean no, let me say... I'm not sure about that. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. I, am, I have no proof. I'm not saying. But I, I would not be surprised, given the time... Uh, giving this time period that everybody's doing a little something. Even if it's not like the illegal things are smuggling across a border. Right. Some sort of like HGH. Creatine. Yeah, like a, 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 a testosterone gel kind of shit. That, like, mm-hmm. the kind of thing that, they're doing stuff that the IOC would not allow today. Let's just put it that way. 
And when will they admit pro wrestling into the Olympics? <laughs> Winter. I would love like professional or pro wrestling to be in the Olympics, and then they have to judge like their promo, and like they get all like the judges for every single. It would be it would be the best mixture of like figure skating, and and then like boxing. So yeah. you, you know you would have like like oh he he's not sticking the landing. <laughs> oh God, what's Hawk doing? <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> Synchronized promos. You get a gold, silver, bronze, slammy. Uh... But then this match is so much fun. Yeah. So this is so this match. Um, talk a little bit about the build to this, and you can't really talk about the build to this without talking about the build to the main event. But um, all three of these guys have been having issues with either Kane or the Undertaker. And at this point, Vince wants Stone Cold to lose the belt. He's fully put himself behind Master Plan, Kane and the Undertaker. And so these guys have been coming out to help in the meantime as like backup for Stone Cold because it's in the enemy of the, my enemy is my friend kind of thing. So in order to make sure that these guys are in no position to help Stone Cold, he's pit the three of them against each other for the number one contender for the belt. So whoever it is who wins the championship tonight, these guys get a match with them on Monday night. Everything about this I loved, love, loved this match. It's a really fun match. And if you haven't, listeners, watched this match in a while... It is worth pulling up Breakdown 1998 and checking out this match. It is so much fun. I I I haven't seen. They said this is the first triple threat steel cage match they've done, and it's one of the very few I can remember. Uh, and I think the psychology involved in laying out a triple threat match inside of a cage is so much more challenging than doing it without. Because if you totally. think about how you see the triple threat matches now, one guy rolls out and takes a breather, right. and he's out of the way. So you not only are you you have the space physically. But as a viewer, you kind of forget that how long it's taking him to recover because you're not staring at him the whole time on the screen. And at this point, a steel cage is still um, the big blue, big blue, and goes goes to the apron. It doesn't go to the outside because at this point now, even I think outside of Hell in a Cell, when they have a steel cage match, the steel cage will come down to the outside, so there's still room around the ring. Mm, I think not for a proper steel cage match, I don't think. No, when's the last time we saw one, I guess? They don't do them a lot, because Hell in a Cell is better. Um, this, like, it's just a different thing. But I thought this was... in The, the way the psychology of this match was played, the way the finish was laid out, yeah. the way all the false finishes up before that... I mean, I obviously knew who won this match, but like I found myself getting lost in this match like as it was happening and like forgetting, even though I knew who was winning... Even the second time I watched it again for this, I was like lost in the match so much that I was like buying the pinfalls. I was like marking out. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think Rock might have the best DDT in the game. It's great. Like he, when he does that, like he kind of. The best, does, the best giving or the best selling? The best giving. Okay. I think when he like, I, well, like he basically, maybe somebody Irish whipped him or something mm-hmm. and like he kind of came back and he he does that thing where he rolls around it's a float over ddt float over ddt that shit is so much fun to fluid beautiful it also just comes to the rock has a way that he controls his body that it's like watching it's balletic you know like seeing the way he hits moves and he sells and he like there's a snap and there's just a control he has of like if you look at like the ddt is a great example 
People's Elbow is a great example too. You look at the way he does that, and it's not just the parts of his body that obviously you think of the elbow and whatever. Every limb, every fiber of being, every hair on his body is like perfectly controlled in a pose to deliver. And you see him nail that DDT in the same way, with the same way he kicks, and the same way like all like the non-important functions are still controlled yeah. and precise. It's a fucking thing of beauty. And that double people's elbow. I, I have I, I want to talk I have about chills. That. I have like I literally got full body chills. He's been calling it the people's elbow as as a joke and, and as a heel move for, for forever now. But this is the people's elbow. The people want to see this now at this He point. stands in front of them and he starts removing and like Removing the elbow pad. Removing the elbow pads. Removing his arms. <laughs> Chill. He starts removing Chill. the elbow pad Chill. and the like the camera gets the best shot because it's the be- it's his it's the back of him and the whole audience standing up and screaming it's they might be screaming it might be a bigger pop than when he entered I think so I I, I, I think the double people's elbow was the biggest pop of the night there might have been a, there, there's one more I don't know that's my bet one more but we'll talk about it okay uh, the, by the it. thing I like about it is it's silly it's so silly. And especially the way it was being done here, where he had to stop his momentum, his momentum to jump over two bodies twice, right? And then he, so he does it, and it's like it's kind of awkward as he's doing it. But when he gets back into into you know position one, he it's like he knew he knew that he can't just he can't just go like one rope back to one rope and then just like land it and just hope that it kind of like comes together. So what does he do? He does like a little shuffle and then lands the elbow. And that's that's showmanship because it's he he knew that there was a little bit of awkwardness to it and he knew that the only way to do it is to go even more fully in. Yeah. I mean I I I loved everything about this. This was a match where uh, they don't have the vocabulary yet, but this would be a this is awesome and a fight forever almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, the spots they're doing here are so creative. They do a triple abdominal stretch, which I mentioned before. Which I again, it's not something you see often, and it's so especially then it was so fun to see. And the way it breaks up, where it's like uh, um, Shamrock flips the rock. And then Mankind flips Shamrock. Really fun way to break it up. The um, Mankind jumping from the top of the cage, Snooka style. Well, Mankind, I mean, first off, Mankind just going right for the door when the match starts. Because you you don't really think of him as like the crafty, oh, I'm going to get you. But then Mankind getting suckered back in with, with the, the pop that he got the last time he was in the, chi- the, the steel cage. Because this is the first time we've seen him in this kind of match. Since that Triple H match. So just having the wherewithal to call back to that, but also have the psychological things that are going on with that spot as well. So that's the the part where he can potentially win and he decides to get up top and like calls back. I saw people losing their goddamn minds. And yeah. I, that so that's the one that I think of is like it's a tight contender with the people's know. elbow for biggest pop. I don't know if I agree with this type, but I definitely agree that it's it's one of the top three of this show for like, sure. Like people look like they were like, "Oh my god, he's oh, going to jump off this cage." Well, and again, because now this is a post King of the Ring world, yeah. a post Hell in the Cell. He's like world. Shane McMahon. It's like we know he's going to jump off a thing, mm-hmm. or not, we don't even know that yet with him. But like we're excited to see him jump off more shit, right? And you also know he's going to miss him. It's both it, it, every time they do the big jump, 
you know, you know, it's basically just to hurt themselves. But here's the here's the thing I love about this match too, the way it's laid out. They're going for the door in the beginning. Yes, it's like it shows that he's like savvier than you think. But it also is a reminder. It's like a subtle reminder to the it's Chekhov's door. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like there's going to be the false. And remember, there's multiple ways to win in this match. These matches, like don't forget, that you can go up that way, but you can also go out here. You can also pin. That's going to be important later. Don't forget, like. Yeah. And then Sh- uh, Shamrock, who I've been shitting a lot. On, I guess just because he's not as not as good, um, not as but charismatic, he's not, great, as char- he's good not as charismatic, not as charismatic. But then him going and cr- and crawling for the door and then grabbing the chair and then Smart. entering that element into the match. There, there is nothing. And the callback between the callback to Foley, the way the match is laid out, the way that it, it positions new stars, it uses talent, it makes spots. There is nothing equivalent on WWF television right now. No, in my opinion, there's just. I mean, NXT is, with War Games did a great job with a lot of that stuff, but on the main roster, there's just not this level of writing. It, this is this is writing. Like Mankind's character, his choice to harken back to his childhood inspiration. And jo- like, when have you seen a Roman Reigns have that kind of motivation? Where has that been? Like, and the way the match is structured to do that so smartly and inventively, where it doesn't just feel like everything's the same fucking structure. Also, uh, you know. You think when Shamrock comes in with the chair, you think this is uh, this is when Foley becomes like the the pinata, yeah, right? Because Foley, Foley always takes all of the hits, right? So you're like, oh man, he's gonna get fucking laid out by this chair. No, chair misses. It hits the cage, gives you that like that real smack that you're like, oh god, that that was a, a close one. Yeah, and then. It comes back and it hits Shamrock, and you're and that shot looked bad. Yeah, he, that was a fucking that was a sh- a, a, a real unprotected. Like, yeah, he forgot his social shot. security number in that Hell shot. Yeah, he looked like Bradshaw after he fought Bart Gunn. Yes, <laughs> uh, crazy, crazy, crazy shot, and then which sets up a, what I thought. I mean, I was fully, uh, I was fully worked. On this ending, I mean, I guess not worked in that I was upset, but I, I hadn't, I did not see it coming. Like I was just like, oh my god, mankind's gonna win. Like because the entire time, as mankind's climbing up the cage, you think, like, oh well, you know, like when, when is the guy gonna, when is like the Rock or when is Shamrock gonna like all of a sudden jump up and immediately climb really fast to grab his mm-hmm. leg? They had to grab the leg, grab the leg, and then you're like, wait a minute, everybody's down. Like he's he's so close. There's no way they they could sell it that like mankind's so slow in getting to the other side that you know he that they could you know that they could catch him and then you know Rock gets the pin and even the Rock when he had Mick by the mask at one point when when Mick was on the other side the tension in that and again knowing who won but still being like drop just drop like <laughs> it was, yeah. it was uh, I, I chills it, what a fucking great match and the effort and the cause it's the writing. There is writing in that, even if it's not the literal like words, but like the producing of that match, the storytelling of that match. Yeah. It's like you just don't fucking see that enough today. It was awesome. What else can I say? Rock goes over, and that's it. Like now it's and, the rocket to his back, and that's it now. Now it's we're we're in a bucking fucking bullet train from here to Hobbs and Shaw. And uh, Shamrock goes nuts at the end. Um, of runs afoul of the large contingent of Croatians around the ring. <laughs> Do you guys notice them? I did not. Oh, they waving the Croatian flag the entire time. They're wearing their their checkered Croatian soccer jerseys. I wonder if that's I don't know. I think idea. that was the Toronto Argonauts. 
All right. Well, then we go on to another match, which, again, at least we've got some build, build from what was going on before. Val Venus versus Dustin Runnels. Bobby's looking at me like, huh? I hated this. I okay. Hate, I hate everything about this. I hate Dustin's um, preacher, son of a preacher man kind of gimmick of, like, uh, repent. It's, it's a commentary because the WWE at this time is getting a ton of blowback from like the evangelical type groups about how it's lewd and how it's like inappropriate bad yeah. content it's garbage and this character's supposed to be addressing it's a like bit. a tipper gore type of thing yeah, yeah but it makes it makes dustin Reynolds just look like a wet blanket he doesn't he never looks indignant he just looks sad all the time and so you're like you know oh, yeah you know sense. what you need is you need like a um a jim Cornette voice there, like to do like the tuned. fire and brimstone watch this space you know gotcha. what i mean uh but in the meantime this sucks I hate it. I hate the idea that uh, Terry shacking up with Val and she's the Jezebel and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we just watched Goldus get femdom by Luna for months. So, like, what the fuck is this now that we have to be, like, why is she this, like, Jezebel homewrecker when he was out there, like, he left her to go, like, bang Luna also, and do be, like, in Marilyn Manson drag? Also, it's the same fucking bit. It's the same bit, exactly the same bit. Like, hey, go, hey, ladies, check out my new movie. Yeah, yeah. Who's under the blanket this time? Like, the only way to make it better would be like if there is a man under the blanket for like the third one. Well, I'd be here for that. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like oh, so oh, uh, Yamaguchi. He he had Mrs. Yamaguchi. Yeah, but this now is, it's Terry. It's okay. gonna be his, kind of his gimmick. It's gonna be like uh, I'm. Okay, going back to me in 1998. Great. Super annoyed with Dustin at this point. Yeah. Super annoyed at at every at hearing um, that WWF is all the immoral, all, all this stuff. So I was ready for Val to to fucking uh, stick it to this guy. Um, and stick it to Terry. I think get hers. She looks get hers, oh God. girl. Yeah, she looks great. Um, she looks the... This is a very different look than the original, right? See, I, okay. I mean, this is just a. I got a... the. I, <laughs> The cupped husband is a trope that WWF goes to that well a lot. Still, they're doing it now. And they're, you're doing, <laughs> they're it, doing it literally, literally right now. Literally right now. Um, but I think at this point for me, it was fresh enough that I enjoyed it for what it was. Because even though, again, I don't, think, I, I fully don't have it sussed out the heel face alignment in this, and nor do I think they do either. Shades of Grey. Um, but I remember even as a kid being like, this is pretty dope. This is like a porn star who's like, yeah, fuck, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. all the, again, we're hearing yeah. all this stuff in the actual real news about like, WWF is in, uh, all these like uptight, you know, hairdo ladies being all like, well. And then you hear like, here's fucking porn star who's like, yeah, I fuck, I can kick ass or whatever. And, and then I, Terry's like, you're boring. I'm going to fuck this hot porn star. Like, I love this. And <laughs> I loved when, when uh, Val was getting like the shit beat out of him. He runs out of the ring. He starts making out with Terry and gains sex so... power and is like, fights back i thought that was so funny i'm like so it's a good probably a good move in the middle of your wrestling match to go and just like like uh make it, out with somebody. it's as though he was playing final fight and he just ate a whole rotisserie chicken <laughs> yeah i loved it i, uh, I i'm into that I, I well i was also very excited to see terry come back i was so like so like frustrated watching sable for so long that seeing terry who like i think like it cuts a better promo yeah. is more interesting and like honestly at this point i'm as I'm, you know i find as attractive as sable sure to this you know in yeah. this degree 
uh, I was like, oh, yeah, she's back. This is great. It's kind of a, a familiarity breeds contempt kind of thing that you've been – these same two women have been the women's division for this long, and we want a few fresh faces in there. Yes, and also, you know, like I like – I mean, I like Jacqueline, but like uh, Sable's really just it, – it, it's hard. It You know – It's a woman. Oh, it is. <laughs> but you know, like, you know, like with Sable, I feel a little bit of like what I wasn't sure about with Austin – at first, but but much more prolonged because Austin proves himself pretty quickly. Whereas with Sable, you're just like, Jesus Christ! Like, when is she? When is the when is the the chemistry? When is the magnetism going to show? I I mean, I've seen the boobs already, fine, but like, what else is going to be? Yeah, see, and oh, what's I I don't I like <laughs> Sable. It just doesn't. I don't think she has charisma. Right. She is a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think there's much else beyond that. Yeah. She doesn't love this business. She doesn't want to be better. You know what I mean? So it's like... Right. Yeah, it's just... I also... Uh, Terry pitched the Marlena character. You know what I mean? Like, she's, yeah. she's, got, a, she's got a little bit of a brain for, for the biz. I, uh, I also think if anyone is ever going to look perpetually uh, cucked, it's Dustin... Like yeah. he always looked cut. To this day, look, yeah, he, he just looks, you put an AW, he looks got a little cut. Oh yeah, he's he's got those sad hound dog eyes. Yeah, he's got like a little sad droopy face. Uh, his shirt also looks like a religious ransom note. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't want to know. Like God doesn't want us to know his handwriting, so he's just like cutting out newspaper. Well, if you see the handwriting of God, your brain wouldn't be able to comprehend it. <laughs> right. So it's better in uh, Times New Roman in different fonts. And Jehovah starts with an I. Yeah, the penitent man shall pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, I basically said after after Sable, Terry is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it's this was whatever. It's a TV match. It yeah, this like is TV totally match. a TV match. I don't get it. Next, Jeff Jarrett and Southern Justice versus Degeneration X. Well, Eric, you gonna ask Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> new new look. Is this the this is this is the look? He did it. This you know what? It's it's nice. It's tight. It's I, lo- I I actually love the gear. I think the gear is cool as hell. Like the like the bike, like the kind of Billy Gunn style shorts. Yeah. And the silver with a little bit of the callback to the arrow on the side, but not the same colors. I'm like they really got it right this time. And the music isn't bad. The music's not bad. The haircut's good. I like the guitar as a callback, and I like the way it's being used now. I I, I finally think the, this this is to me is like a Jeff Jarrett that I want to pay attention to. The that don't, I want to hate. The, yeah, and, and I want to hate for the right reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. The don't pee anus 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 me off <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is still a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, oh, totally. But you know what, though? Again, considering where we've been with Jarrett, just happy. Happy he made it. Yeah, Ready right. Ready to go, buddy. It's like, it's like he wooed us. He, he, got it, he gave us so much shit that now when he gives us just like something slightly better, we're like, hey, look at this guy. This like he's finally like wrestling out of the 80s. It's like, oh, wow, yeah. I finally joined you in the, in the current time frame. I... I also think Southern Justice's vests look like they came from a tux rental store that specializes in proms. <laughs> Not even. It's like proms in the 70s? Yeah. It's like like the leopard print? Or... No, those are, those are Southern proms. That they still wear those today. <laughs> we got to lose Southern Justice. Like the but... Southern Charm guys Southern wore those Fumble. vests to their own prom. Uh, Bobby, I got to ask. Triple H, where's he? Hurt his knee uh, in Sacramento on December 15th. Um, so he has a torn outer meniscus. So that is where he is. And he hurt himself in the uh, the ladder match too. 
Yes, but this, this injury was from the, the house. was from a house. Uh, either a house or a taping, because I forget. I know they were taping a lot then. It was number 15, Sacramento. It was taping for Heat, no less, actually. Um, Degeneration X has been doing a lot in the meantime, apart from this feud right here. Uh, X-Pac is now the European champion, won that off of D'Lo Brown. Mm. Um, China's been feuding with Mark Henry off of still... Like, again, I'm glad that they addressed how gross that was, and I'm glad to now see China getting her comeuppance, and she's just fucking great. Not here on this pay-per-view, though. No, she Doesn't was not. even show up? No, she no. was on the pre-show uh, on the Sunday Night Heat. Oh, great. Yeah. But... Um, and also, Billy Gunn's been getting a big rush recently. Um, Austin was teamed in a handy, or was uh, booked in a tag team match against the Brothers of Destruction on the Raws leading up, and Vince is like, yeah, if you can get another partner, fine, you can have a partner. Thinking that nobody would come to his side because they all know how much Vince hates him. Billy Gunn is the one who winds up fighting with him on that one there. Huh. Puts him over pretty big. Yeah. I remember seeing that when I was a kid being like, <gasps> Weird. Um, This match, still don't really care about, though. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I liked everything that happened fine. The, the, everything went over fine. Actually, no, I I didn't like the ending because the I feel like I feel like so Jarrett should have went over. I mm-hmm. feel like Jarrett. I feel like something just sucks. But DX is already over like hell. Billy Gunn did not need this win. Well, X, uh, yeah. Um, I thought X Pac was legal at the. Well, I don't know. I, I don't, don't, don't even want to talk about it. It, it seemed like a very sudden end. ending. But at the end, at least Jarrett got to hit him over the head with the guitar. So that yeah. that's kind of like his his revenge for the haircutting last time around. It would have been nice if we picked up the win. Also, um, no Road Dog really, pretty much. Like, Road Dog in the beginning, and then nobody tags him ever after. Oh, yeah. The New Age Outlaws sneak attack in the minute, at the beginning. If I was in this crowd, I would have been pissed that I wouldn't get to hear the, oh, you didn't know? I know. Yeah, the way they were doing it, it was just kind of like, oh, they're just going to play the music. It's the Salt and Pepper Diner thing, though. It's like you play. What's new pussy cat? Yeah. What's new pussy cat? What's new pussy cat? I've got uh, you know, is that it's unusual? unusual or the other way around or whatever? It, no, you got it right. Okay, yeah, the what's new pussy cat again? But like, it's the it's not unusual. Everyone's like, wait, what? You have to break up the pattern. And so <laughs> I, I kind of like them breaking the pattern because you really wouldn't expect it because you're like, of course, you know, the new age albums are coming. They have a fucking fifteen minute intro, ladies and gentlemen, like routine. Yeah. So to skip, I, I kind of like that. I mean, I agree. I'd be pissed and missed it too, but I am overall appreciate it. Like, imagine if we went to a show that the new day was on and we. Didn't here don't you dare be sour but if it's because they were doing like a badass sneak attack that like put for like a, an intense rivalry but like cool <laughs> all right yeah right that's yeah. more important although i will I say buy it now we're, we're certainly not getting like the best parts of of road dog right like road dog's best oh, yeah. stuff is on the mic and yeah, all yeah, we got 100%. was road dog do a sneak attack and then stand on the sidelines and just kind of look so meh. although road dog's going to be doing a little bit more uh individual stuff in the coming months so watch out for him okay do we go to the main event let's do it yep all right uh eric so main event austin versus taker versus kane what are your questions leading up to this um let's see so last time last time we saw it was undertaker versus austin yes and then austin and kane were standing side by side at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like kind of left together. At some point, did, so did did Undertaker and Kane just go like kind of corporate? 
So what happens is this is on the September 4th uh, episode of Raw, the one that I hated, hated, hated. It starts off great. Vince McMahon goes into the ring, calls um, Undertaker and Kane a bunch of pussies, and like actually says, you're a bunch of pussies because they didn't come out of that match with the championship. So they spend the entire rest of the night just choke slamming everybody. It's just every single match ends with them coming out and getting and choke slamming whoever is there. Okay. Um, including that does have The Rock. Um, it D'Lo Brown is about to get choke slammed, and The Rock comes in and stands in the way of them. And D'Lo like escapes off like a little weasel, and Rock starts to get a little bit more of the hero rub from that. But um, going on from then, then the following week, he tells them that they're going to be booked in a triple threat match with Austin for the championship and that they're not allowed to pin each other. They're only allowed to pin Austin in this. Right, which is more of uh, Vince doing the, I'm going to screw you. Master plan. This is his master master race. Um, So, okay. What preceded the uh, Vince McMahon didn't screw Steve Austin? Steve Austin screwed. It's a call back to Bret Hart. It's like this. I know, I, I know that. But it's because Stone Cold wouldn't cooperate yeah. and be Vince's corporate champion. So what's the screw part? Like, the screwing is that is it, that now he has to face these two, two guys, guys. Like he has to face an unwinnable situation. It's a it's a handicap match. Yeah. It's a Kobayashi Maru. Right. Um. Okay, I, I kind of want to... So, they were doing an inspection of a cage? So, in order to further stack the deck, um, Vince says to Mark Henry, hey, I'm going to book you in a match on heat beforehand. We want to be able to test this cage to make sure that it, it'll withstand whatever. Mark Henry, we, since he's so big, he will test the cage to make sure that everything's all good for that triple threat match. Um as the cage is being lowered, Vince is inside. Mark Henry is not there because Mark Henry got taken out backstage. And so Vince is looking around. Got and taken out by who? China? By China backstage, hit with a lead pipe. And um, recovers beautifully to help out Gangrel later, or D'Lo later on. Um, but then you get Austin in the wig and the fake beard as the cage technician <laughs> who takes out Vince and jumps out of the cage before Taker and Kane are able to get him. I have Steve Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. <laughs> um, okay, right. He, with the, the, the craziest wig and I guess a drawn-on beard. I wasn't sure about that. Oh, also, I guess at one point in the Raws leading up, uh, like Vince McMahon does his like does a, a, an impression of Steve Austin where he like he's like in Steve Austin's face giving him the finger and shaking, wagging his head. And I think at one point he like he does like the the thing because um, Austin had gotten maybe like like tombstone or whatever by uh, Taker and Kane. That might have been. Well, no, I'm not sure what that was was exactly. Now that that I'm there was something right. though where like basically it was kind of funny because like Vince was like giving the fingers and like did the 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 drop to your side to roll out of the ring the way that Austin always does. Like he was doing like a full on Austin thing. Uh, which I thought was kind of fun. But, you know, I didn't watch the whole episode, so I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I think that's – I think I'm kind of there. I don't know what – if there's yeah. anything – is there anything else I need to know? Nope. You got it all. Okay. No. I enjoyed watching this match. Yeah. It was know, a little long for me. Yeah, I don't know if, like, much yeah, I, I really, like, that jumped out or that, that, like, really popped me until the – like, until, like, the very, 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 very 
the super end post-match stuff that I was like, ooh, intrigue. Otherwise, it was just like a fun, I had a fun time. Yeah. Um, I thought the, the ambush was fun. Mm-hmm. Another one of those, like... Uh, Wish there wasn't an ambush, though, like, just before it. Yeah, exactly. You know it mean? was one of those things where, like, an, another iconic entrance that the audience is like, oh, we're yeah, not I getting would've, this. I, it, it really took a blow having just had it happen the last match. Yeah. I loved King's explanation early on for why Austin actually has the advantage. Well, he's allowed to pin either one of them. They're only allowed to pin him. Of course he has the advantage of this match. <sighs> Heel announcer when it's used synonymously as contrarian announcer is like one of my least favorite wrestling like hangups yeah. where it's like the heel announcer has to be like opposite day and it's like yeah. exhausting. You're like, can you at least pretend that you're an intelligent, like they're not playing at the top of their intelligence. Uh-huh. And that's what really gets me mad. Yeah. Cause you're like, I get that you're the bad guy and you're supposed to give like the, like the bizarro world inverse opinion, but like at least sound like you're not a moron. I would say if I were a heel announcer for this, I'd be like, I'd be like, look, you know, Austin actually does have the advantage because, yeah, does it seem like these two are teaming up? It totally does. But, you know, the worst thing that could happen is a betrayal by your partner. Yeah. Like, how do these guys know They're they can trust each champ. other? Yeah. Right. So who's going to do the pinning? This way, he know, like he knows where he stands. If I were Undertaker or Kane, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that, like, the guy I'm trusting to have my back could take me out. And that foreshadows what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Why didn't they hire Eric 20 years ago? Well, this is also why Jerry Lawler should still not be doing commentary in 2020. He's not. He's past his prime, babe. Trying to put him out. Just hand over the joke book. We got it. Well, I'll do. I'll. I'll No need. No need. Actually, you know. You you know what? You keep it. Uh, Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was was a good, fun physical match with a bunch of main eventers. I I liked when the Stooges came out and Austin attacked Briscoe because it's it's almost like. Everything's against me here. I know I can beat the shit out of Briscoe, so I'm going to do that for a minute. I, yeah. I like this, the psychology of that. There's oh, it's a rest. There's a part of Austin where he's just like... He did, part of the Austin mythos is just that like he likes to beat the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just fun. So if Briscoe wants to come out, he's like, I'll kick your ass just for fun. It's because you're standing there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that about him. The thing I like about this is this is a story that they built throughout yeah. the Raws going into this and the reason that i really liked that september 14th episode of raw is because you had this story building throughout the entire episode and even shamrock mankind and rocks part were part of this story that was building and so they have their own thing that comes out of it and so i think that when you're when you have a through line when you have something that you're building to you're able to then work things in better. Going back to Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy, now that Buddy Murphy thing is working with uh, Seth Rollins and the Monday Night Messiah stuff. So to me, my takeaway from both of these examples is the 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 use, which I've beat this drum a lot on this show, which is factions. This is why factions are good, because there's one story that automatically you can apply to people. There's a framework they already understand in. There's already built-in stakes for how then the relationships there, like any other kind of storytelling, it's about conflict and it's about relationships. And so being in a faction now, suddenly you have this community, like their enemies are now your enemies, but also you have to earn your place within this community and where do you stand among your peers? And suddenly the amount of relationships and things worth exploring has like exploded. And we're seeing some of the old factions that we've kind of like relied on throughout the Attitude Era so far. They're starting to dissolve. Other ones are now forming and taking their place. It's like watching a, watching a star form in, in, yeah. in the gases. Yeah, we're definitely in a, a transitional point where there's going to be a lot of new shuffling things soon. 
And then, so do you want to go over the end of this match, Bobby? Uh, sure. Uh, it's a Kane and Taker double pin, and they're sort of like who wins on off. They both pin Austin at the same time, and Vince comes out, takes the belt, takes it in the back, which is great. Vince screaming, "Give me the belt! Give me the belt!" because he wants to to make sure. He, no, Austin, you're not the champion anymore. He's so just... the pay per view ends with us not knowing if. Kane or Undertaker is the champion and the bow that will get the answer tomorrow night on Raw, which I think is brilliant to get me to watch Raw. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I love this finish. I know it's stupid. I mean, like, it is kind of dumb, but... It's very silly, but... It's, it's, you know what it is? It's naked. You know exactly, like, it's obvious. Like, they're doing this because they want you to shoot. It's a cliffhanger. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's just obvious. I don't even think it's that dumb, though. because because yeah. be, Just because these guys have been working together now, they've got this loose alliance, and so, fine... But we, we, we're not we're not going to do what's this. dumb though is that like this is clearly the most likely outcome to happen here so to not as a like to what i think like function top of our intelligence like as a company i'd be like what happens if they both win if they both mm-hmm. fit and then you'd be yeah. prepared for that to end the show and be like in the event of a draw we now have two champions who will face each other next month at blank and like that's what yes. you would think that they would already have thought that through because any idiot who heard like the setup for this match would be like well well what happens when they both pin them because mm-hmm. like that's clearly where we're going so that to me is what I think it feels. That's where it, when I say it feels dumb. Like it feels not intelligent for the actors to be acting this way. Got it. Yeah, it's like it's like the the I want to tune in tomorrow is because I truly just want to figure. I just want to know like, well, what what was the what was the plan? You know, like or something so unexpected happened. Tune in tomorrow because the ring collapsed and we don't know what we're gonna do. You know, what I mean that'd be right. like, oh okay, obviously no, who knows? But this is the most likely outcome. <laughs> How are you not right? Like if they this? can't pin each other, then yeah, what what is going to Happen. It doesn't seem like a surprise. It just seems like you're being purposely withholding. Yes. And that's what's fresh as a yes. viewer. That's what feels cheap and stupid. Yes, I agree. But not to kill... It doesn't kill the angle for me at all. But in retrospect and speaking critically, that would be my point. And we're all going to tune in tomorrow. But before that, we've got a little bit more business that we need to take care of. For years, WWF hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards. And we end each episode with our own version of Slammies in a segment we call... For your reconsideration. All right, I'll go first because I'm a little afraid that mine might get taken. Uh, I'm going to give the um, proud, well, not, I don't know, the proud mama bear or defensive mama bear. What what would you call it? Like a mama bear who's been, like, poked. Poked mama bear? The The mama bear award? The mama bear. Okay, sure. The mama bear award. Uh, is going to go to I don't know if you guys noticed when they were they were they had, they were shooting uh, Jr. and King, and in the background there was this like mother with her like young son, and they were right up front. And they they you see them a few times during the pay per view, but at one point the last time they show them, this one of the guys behind had a sign that he just kept trying to put in front, mm-hmm. and like she was kind of like 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 pushing it away because it was getting it was getting right in front of her son's face mm-hmm. and at some point she just rips the sign and and throws it down that's awesome and then and like you just you see her like kind of having words with the guy behind and just being like this fucking guy like hey like no 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 well, let me say by this point in wrestling i wouldn't have gone to a live wrestling show like i went to that one in that square in 96 and then go to another one until we went with you guys because like the because crowd, of... the energy like there's no fucking way i would feel like 
comfortable or safe at a no that doesn't it does not feel safe like a safe place i agree uh, so like whereas when we go now it's like everyone's like hey who do you like obviously Uh, as we know it still has its problems but i mean like in terms of back then though like it really would be like somewhere like it it, it would feel the same way if i was going into like a kkk bar you know what i mean like a kkk event but at a bar where well like well like a biker bar where everyone's like oh yeah we're all white nationalists like that (laughs) the same tension is like would make me feel the same way in fact i'm sure a lot of over overlap in the clientele or like or like (laughs) Um, a giants game that that always feels like the end of civilization when you're (laughs) on your way there I'm going to give uh, Too Much the Lisa Frank Award because I'm pretty sure that uh, someone chewed up a Lisa Frank Bible, spit it out onto their outfits, and that's what they wore that night. Perfect. I like that. Um, I'm going to give my uh, Is This Canon Award to a sign that I saw that said, Kane can raise the Titanic. No, not just the Titanic, the tit and that's what I mean. Because also, first of all, it should be fair because when I first looked at the way it was like laid out typographically, King can just, tit. Yeah, it just said, I was like, what? Because that's all I saw. Then they opened it. I was like, oh, and then I was more upset when I opened. They opened it. And I was like, King can raise the tit. Hold on, like raise the ghosts of the Titanic. We like, have established a lot of powers. Levitation. I don't think well, we figured mean. out. That's why I'm like, do you mean actually physically raise it from the depths of the sea, or raise the? Do dead. you mean like raise the specter of the Titanic? Raise. The Does he mean he could dead? raise the box office? Of, uh, <laughs> take them. I, no, no one can raise that box office. It went for eight weeks. If you're out there and you made that sign, what the fuck? <laughs> Love us. Disagree. Want to send demonic siblings after us? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Helena Cell Pod or tweet at us individually, Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our art is by Alexis Yavney. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again for Judgment Day in your house. Playable Characters Podcast, funny interviews with real video game characters. Hi, I'm Calvin Cato. And I'm Brian McGinnis, and we interview video game characters on our show. We have comedians and actors come on and pretend they're a video game character for 30 minutes. We talk to them. It's all ad-libbed and improvised and always very funny. Uh, Past guests include Bowser, Ms. Pac-Man, Q-Bert, Princess Peach, and Princess Daisy. You put them in a booth, and uh, something short-circuited, and I decided that someone was taking too long in the money booth. (laughs) And I hit her with a baseball bat. <laughs> and thus was born Super Smash TV. Oh. Just like that. I was being raised by a family of, t- of toadstools. Oh. Um, How is that? Is that, that seems like it might be kind of fun. It was, it, was really, it was really fun. Um, it's probably the reason I'm really kind of still into butt stuff. Because <laughs> yeah, definitely. You say, you say bud stuff or butt, butt stuff? stuff because butt, they're kind of like, stuff. you know, like oh, butt plugs. You know. They do look like little butt plugs. <laughs> Mario should stick to plumbing, okay? Okay, he's a very, from what I hear, a good plumber, a terrible hero. Yes. So, I mean, really bad. And, I mean, let's not get started on his whatever he is, uh, you know, friend, brother, special friend, I don't know, Luigi, <laughs> whatever they're doing. They're well, they're that's what they're saying. <laughs> that's what they're saying. They're right. saying they're brothers because, you know, in the uh, Italian-American community, <laughs> these people tend to not look yeah. kindly on certain relationships. If you want to know what's going on in your favorite video game character's life, check us out. Playable Characters Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, comes out every Monday.